Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. It is Tuesday, October 25th, 2016. And me and Shaka are back to break down week seven and what a week it was. Shaka, what'd you think of this week seven slate of games? I mean, man, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of ramifications, a lot of weird play, um, referee calls, too. There are a few, a few uh, odd calls, but all in all, a strange week, but a fun week. A very, very fun week that I think we want to start off by saying your New York Jets won a game. What? They won a game, but the future is bleaker than ever before now. <laughs> Let's kick it off, man. The Jets beat the Ravens. Uh, what do you have to say for it? I, I think this is probably the culmination of something that was a long time coming. Mm-hmm. And that is Geno Smith's injury, which, yeah. to start off, man, what a tough break for the kid. I, he wasn't fantastic. He, he's not a great quarterback, but at the same time, that's not 100% his fault. Yep. I think from day one, he was just put into a bad situation. Because we have another terrible quarterback, Mark Sanchez, who they were so quick to try to replace. He got injured in the preseason, and they threw him in as a rookie Yep. with no wide receivers. And I actually went, and I wrote this down. I'm going to look at the note, because I, I couldn't remember. I just knew they were bad receivers at the time. It was Antonio Holmes, Ooh. who was at the tail end of his career. Mm-hmm. Kellen Winslow, Ooh. who was talented, but just a mess of a human being. Correct. Both of these gentlemen are out of the league, and Jeremy Curley. Wow. Who is on the San Francisco 49ers and an afterthought. So those are the wide receivers Geno Smith had to throw to in his first year. So obviously, there was no progress. He never really recovered from it, I don't think. And that pretty much played into him getting hurt, where he just held the, quarter, he held the football for way too long mm-hmm. and took just a really, you know, just a rough shot. Yep. So the prognosis is he's got a torn knee ligament, he's out for the season, yep. and that pretty much closes the door on his Jets career, because after this, he's a free agent, yeah. and there's no way the Jets bring him back. It was it was really, you know, this, you, you said it, the Jets did win, but the future is even bleaker. The ramifications of what happened, the drama going up and down, let's talk a little bit more. I mean, you started with Geno Smith, so you're absolutely right, he comes in too early, he clearly, I think, was a little bit of a project who needed some more time to be groomed. He didn't get that time. Um, he suffered on the field. I think everybody saw his poor play on display because there were, there were, you know, even in season two with Geno Smith, there were some promising moments. But then he would, he would have a game where he would have moments where he clearly struggled to throw the football, period. I mean, he would have three interception games, four interception games where... You couldn't even you you didn't even have faith that he could even throw the ball at all. Like he looked right. like a third string who who is simply out there to kneel down and hand it off. And then you're absolutely right. Then he and, and then Ik Enikpali breaks his jaw in training camp last year. Fitzpatrick gets the job. Then he kind of gets this one golden opportunity to walk back onto the field. And by the second quarter, he's done for the year. And you nailed it. After this year, his contract's up and. I mean, he's going to be auditioning for teams after recovering from an ACL tear. And, I mean, you're saying this might be his career on the Jets. This might be his career in the NFL. His resume, it's not, it's not illustrious. He doesn't really have much to fall back on positive-wise. He does have a great arm, yeah. but his accuracy is an issue. Yep. His decision-making, 
in terms of like, just actual vision of seeing receivers because he holds the football for so long mm-hmm. that he ends up getting sacked more often than not. Mm-hmm. So uh, he doesn't really have much in terms of a portfolio to present to you know teams. He might end up as a, a second, he might end up as a backup or a third string backup on some teams. Mm-hmm. And I, I mentioned this to someone earlier today. Odds are he may be looking, you know, as a backup on the 49ers or, <laughs> you know, you take your pick of teams at the bottom of the, the rung, the Browns, yeah. or, you know, it's, it, it, I feel, I, I do have some pity for him because he just really, he really didn't get a good shot. And it's also factoring to uh, issues about his personality where he was, you know, he was known to be kind of a complainer. Yep. He, he would. You know, from he, he had an immaturity to him that really didn't kind of denote that he was trying to mature and progress as a quarterback, as a player. He, I think he just felt he never got the chance to shine. Yeah. When in actuality, it's no one has any confidence in you actually doing this job. But we put all this money and all this you know effort into you, so we're going to put you out there and hope that you you figure it out. I, I mean, I I don't know all the details of what happened when that when that dude broke his jaw last year, but that I think plays into the immaturity. I mean, I don't know what he said or what he did or what culminated in that incident, but it sort of echoes this sense of, you know, was he really composing himself like a starting quarterback leader in the locker room and maybe he wasn't. And the other thing I'm going to say is the Jets organization did him no favors, okay? Nice. They they changed coaching staff in the middle of all this. So now you got Todd Bowles and the new regime comes in and they've got to deal with the quarterbacks they have. And, you know, you, you know, that's positive because Geno Smith kind of gets a, a clean slate, but it's negative because I don't think anybody was ever truly there trying to, you know, groom him as a project. You know, some of these franchises are really geared to try to groom a player and get them better. And some of them really aren't. And I don't think the Jets are in any position to be grooming a young quarterback. I think they're a type of team that wants to go out and get a Fitzpatrick or someone who's a little bit more proven and just ride the hot hand. And, uh, I mean, for Geno Smith's sake, I hope he finds another team. I hope he gets a shot as a backup quarterback because, you know what, you know, maybe he will finally get an opportunity to play in an offense that's more fit to his talents and, uh, you know, show everybody that at least he's got something in the tank because right now, you said it, his resume has nothing to show for it. And he's such a big prospect coming in. It's yeah. just, it's, it's sad to see that there's no progression at all. No, none. And you know, we gotta we gotta put some of this blame on the Jets. Um, and speaking of uh, the Jets, go ahead. Now, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in, carries the team to the victory. Yep. Throws a touchdown. Doesn't no no turnovers, and goes on the podium right after the game and says, you know, my. The, the owners gave up on me, you know, the coaches gave up on me, and all I had to believe in was myself, which, I mean, you, you pretty much at that point, you have, you've got the organization by the throat, just for a moment, just for a moment just, in the press. Which I mean, that's a rare moment. Not many work. players get that opportunity to actually stick it to the ownership and the coaches and say, hey guys, uh, fuck you. And we're at the midpoint of the season, mind you. This isn't the end of the year where you're kind of throwing up, you know, middle fingers and walking out. No, right? no. We've so got a whole we season. Got, we got, yeah. we got plenty of football left to play. And in the middle of the season, it's just the awkwardness is, is so thick. I can put it on fucking toast and eat it. Dude, just, I, the one word I was going to say to describe this entire scenario, awkward. So now... How about them Jets? 
<laughs> so now, I, now it's kind of just, I had to sit and really think about this bleak future I mentioned earlier. Ryan Fitzpatrick's contract is up at the end of this year because he only got a one-year contract. Yeah. And, and I'm pretty much going to put, put everything in my savings account on it that he's not coming back to the Jets. Unless there's some miraculous kiss and makeup or he has this just torrid quarterback, you know, comeback kid streak of games going towards the end of the season, which is not going to happen. No, I he did that no. last year. I don't think he can replicate it. It's not going to happen. So his career in the Jets is over, and now the Jets are back to square one quarterback position because now we have Bryce Petty, mm-hmm. also a project, mm-hmm. and Christian Hackenberg, mm-hmm. who's even more of a project, who's nowhere near ready quarterback in the NFL mm-hmm. I, I think yeah. they're I think if anything they're probably putting a lot of their eggs in the Christian Hackenberg basket that seems to be the Which best possible prospect scary thought I hope I mean I don't know I haven't seen the kid play really at all I haven't even watched any of the scouting video I ain't got nothing in terms of knowledge on what he is besides just a name he's a name that's on the Jets roster well he better be studying the playbook as much as he possibly can because there's a very the real chance he, he yeah. might be competing for the starting job next year I think if the Jets are smart and they learn from anything this year, they do not thrust him into the starting position. I'd say they give Bryce Petty a chance because there is a contingency of Jets fans out there, believe it or not, who are dying to see Petty play. Okay. Just off for some preseason, some preseason hype okay. last year and I think this year. Just to kind of get him on the field and see. But I think they're going to do the smart thing, which I would do, is let Fitzpatrick play. I mean, let him go out and play. The, the idea all along was for him to be the starting quarterback this year. And he kind of redeemed himself a little bit with this last game. And the schedule is not as heavy anymore. It's a yeah. little bit lighter. I mean, we've been talking about this season. since week one, about how their schedule was so rough for the beginning of the season. And now they're kind of through it. I mean, do you think that the Jets can reel off a handful of wins and get back to 500? Do you think that's possible with this team that you've seen? we've been so wrapped up in the quarterback conversation. I think one of the things we didn't talk about is that the Jets defense is still pretty decent. Pretty yes. Good. They actually had a chance. They got a great front you know, seven, man. They had a chance to really show that. And they, yeah, the this Ravens. Ravens team, and, you know, we've been knocking their secondary. They picked off Joe Flacco twice. Yeah. Joe Flacco's kind of, he's prone to interceptions, but if, if you know, you really have to take advantage of the opportunities. Matt Forte played a great game. Yes, they he really did. controlled the run. They yes. controlled the run, which was important to kind of keeping the defense, you know, rested and ready to go back on the field and, like, give their best, which they did. And it, it all kind of worked. Uh, all the craziness and the controversy aside, it worked. And it's just kind of just indicative of what the Jets could be if all the parts kind of rolled together. But yeah. Not. It's really, it's, it's even after this, it's hard for me to see this being a continual story every week. Yeah, it's, it's going to be tricky to see them continuing to try to win. But, I mean, it was so exciting to see them do what they did. I mean, you know, the Ravens aren't a great team, but they're not bad. And, and I think the Jets went out there and sort of set the tempo and the pace of the game, and they kind of ran it. They made a few mistakes. I mean, that, that yeah. botched punt where it rolled into the end zone, I mean, that oh, thing was man. awful. Um the same thing, how about when the Jets fumbled it and then the Ravens recovered and they fumbled it and then the Jets and got it back on right the back. same play? There, there, are a couple of, there were a lot of turnovers actually this week across the NFL in general. I've noticed that just just a lot of craziness turnover-wise uh, this week. But the, the, I think 
man, I, I just hope that they can kind of band together and take something from this game and go, hey, guys, all look, look, all the crazy shit that's going on aside, we can be a good football yeah, team. We can beat competitive teams. Dude, and this season is a long season in the NFL. You and I both know things turn on a dime, okay? All they exactly. need to do is reel off three straight wins. They're back at 5-5, five and five, and this is a completely different discussion. They're coming up. They're, yeah, playing, right. they're playing the Cleveland Browns this week. Which is a gimme. I mean, you know it, what I'm it's saying? This game it's for everybody. I mean, there's some positivity there, man. Listen, that's that's a, that's a game they can win. That's possible. Absolutely. To the guy, to the people listening at home, I I, I just had to take. This is the the most time I'm going to spend on the Jets <laughs> this entire season. It's okay, brother. I had to get that off of my chest. Lay it down, just, man. It was a big week. Just a, just a moment of reflection and just kind of letting it. Breathing it in and then just breathing it out and then it's over. You guys won't have to hear about all this crazy shit. Dude, I hope. No, it's okay. The next time they have drama, we're going to hear about it again because that's why we have you on the show, Shaka. It's after they lose to the Browns. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only other thing I'll take away from this game, uh, Mike Wallace looked great. Um, yes. As good as the, as as much as the the Jets secondary has had issues, they let Mike Wallace kind of go to work. Um, but with yes. the the injuries in the receiving core, like Steve Smith sitting out, you know, Mike Wallace has really turned into I think the most consistent piece of that passing game for the Ravens. You know, Dennis Pitta is listen, he's getting his, but he's just you know, Mike Wallace is probably the only shining star there. And uh, you know, Terrence really and Terrence West, you know, he came back down to earth that. Jets have a good front seven, and they slowed him down. I mean, I'm not too worried about any of these guys from a from a fantasy standpoint. I feel like everyone's going to bounce back next week. Yeah. Um, but uh, listen, I think everyone wants to write off the Jets as a terrible team because they are two and five. But I listen. There are plenty. They're a dangerous team for for a team that's two and five. They're still dangerous, and they can jump on you if you kind of give them a chance. To. I completely agree. There's a couple other teams out there with better records who are not as good as the Jets. And I just... Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I think that, you know, people are starting to write them off, and I, I just don't like it. I just don't like it. Um, all right, can we move on to my Eagles-Vikings game? Yes, and man, man, what a game that was. What a game that was, man. My Eagles with the impressive win in Philadelphia, giving the Minnesota Vikings their first loss of the season. Shaka, what were your takeaways from this game? Well, I'm going to go ahead and push aside the fact that things were a little bit kind of sloppy on the turnover side for both teams. Oh, yes. Early on in the game. And just go ahead and pat yourself on the back because that Philadelphia Eagles defense is the real deal. Yeah. There's serious business out there when those guys get on the field. And I, they really did not give the Minnesota Vikings, who I, I kind of, they're kind of suspect on offense already. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're, not, they're not a team that you're looking at to put up 20, 25 points a game on you. Mm-hmm. They really shut them down. They didn't give them much of anything at all. Mm-hmm. Even Stephen Diggs was almost, I, I think they, hit, they only saw him on the back of a milk carton. <laughs> but he just was not, he was not really part of that, that entire offense. No, man. three catches all day. Dude, he's really, but, aside from those first two games of the season, he's become very pedestrian from a fantasy yeah, standpoint. I, I think he might. I'm wondering if he's just injured and they're really kind of downplaying it because he just does not look like the same player at all. No, he doesn't. I mean, and listen, he missed a game due to that groin injury, and that, that was kind of a late scratch before the bye week. I wasn't expecting yeah, that. Yeah, groin injuries are very iffy. He might be playing hesitant. You know, he's maybe not giving it 100% because he's kind of afraid of re-injuring yeah, yeah. himself. So, 
it, it, it might be just kind of a, a psychological uh, injury. I could see that. Not not giving it all that he could. Now, the takeaways that I got from this game, you nailed it. The defenses for both teams were the stars of the game. And, and in my opinion, the biggest fantasy players in this game are the Vikings defense and the Eagles defense. I think they're two of the best fantasy scoring defenses out there. Um, the turnovers that were going back and forth in the beginning, in the first quarter of the game, which certainly made it very exciting, marqueed most of the game because that was, you know, that was the tale of it. It was the star of the defenses. You know, you had Sam Bradford throwing interceptions in the red zone, and then you had Carson Wentz getting picked off in, you know, in his own territory. It was pretty ugly, but the defenses were the ones that were really shining. Now, I want to mention that for the second straight week, the Eagles had a kickoff return touchdown. So that's another special teams touchdown by this Eagles defense. Woohoo! Josh Huff, not Wendell Smallwood this time, Josh Huff. Um, now, the thing that's getting hidden is that because the Eagles defense was the thing that was shining, um, all of the offensive players really kind of disappeared. Carson Wentz was kind of blah. Ryan Matthews had another sort of atrocious fumble at the end of the game. Um, Jordan Matthews was kind of blah. Doriel Green Beckham was the, got the only touchdown. Um, and something else that you mentioned about the Vikings offense. So as good as this Vikings team is from a defensive side of the ball, their offensive line sucks. And they got and they have injuries on the offensive line. And, and this is going to come back later. I want to mention it now. The Vikings can't really run the ball. With Jarek yeah. McKinnon, Matt Asiata, they can't run the ball that much. And I say this because when we talk about the Eagles playing the Dallas Cowboys next week, the Eagles stopping the run is something that scares me because last week against the Redskins, the Redskins ran all over the Eagles, and a big reason why I think their defense showed back up this week is because the Eagles' defense was playing against a team that can't run the ball, and I'm kind of curious what they're going to look like next week against the Cowboys, Ezekiel Elliott, and the best offensive line in football. Well, that's probably, we're, I think we're, we're foreshadowing what's probably going to be the to me, the most exciting game next week. Just I mean that that is shockest of game young, of the week. Young, exciting guys getting a chance to, to really just show off their skills. Yeah. Rookies, baby. So be, but I think you're absolutely right because Matt Asiata is your your leading rusher. Yeah, is not good. No. Like your bruiser, who usually doesn't get on the field until you're in the red zone, is your leading rusher with the longest run of any running back this uh, in this game. It's it's not good. It's not indicative of power running in any. And Ryan Matthews, I, Dude. I, I have him. On, I have him on two fantasy teams. I've dropped him from one, and I'm thinking about dropping him from the other altogether. He's just not. I mean, not it's, doing anything. it's tricky because. I mean, I read an article today that Doug Peterson is sort of is definitely feeling trepidatious about his fumbling issues, but there's really no other clear running back that is the main guy there. You know, they've got Wendell I think Smallwood. They give Smallwood a chance. I mean, they're talking about rotating Smallwood and Sproles more into the mix because, I mean, I don't think Matthews has thoroughly lost his job, but it's definitely. I kind of need to. I want to see them play the Cowboys because the Cowboys are a team that actually has. Not a listen. They've got a good defense, but not an amazing defense. And I feel like Ryan Matthews could could put a hurting on them. But if if he starts losing carries and starts going more to a committee, I mean, you got to feel less faith in him because he has not really shown himself to be a fantasy stud so far this season. It's a little disconcerting. He's only got I think two fumbles this year so far. Yeah, bad fumbles. Yeah, big situation fumbles. And he's really not been producing in terms of, like, you know, yards per carry. He just, 
which was an issue again last year. You know, he was supposed to come in and kind of just be this guy, but it's... I mean, last year, I think he was deliberately supposed to be sharing carries with DeMarco Murray, and, uh, you know, now he's kind of the man, and... I mean, I don't know if Ryan Matthews is ever going to kind of raise to that level of being the guy. No, this is the same issue he had when he was in San Diego where they were kind of waiting, waiting, waiting for this, this you know, breakout season, and it never happened. Yeah, and now so, we're in what, season six, seven of his career? I don't know what to tell you. Seven, yeah, I think it's the seventh year, and it's just, I think it's not going to happen. Well, uh, I am feeling optimistic about the Eagles, even though I think they've got some growing to do on the offense. Uh, their defense is definitely, dude, they are... They are, they are the they are worth the price of admission, man. Because that Eagles defense looked right up there with the Vikings defense, and that's something to be that wins championships, in my opinion. If your defense can keep you in the game, you at least have a chance to kind of get you're, you're still in the fight. Period. You yeah. can always, you know, all it takes is a touchdown or a field goal to kind of keep things close. I mean, I'm good, right dude. I'm going to eat my words. I picked this Vikings team to win. It might be the last time I ever pick against my Eagles because uh, it's <laughs> it's exciting to actually have the Eagles be a good team this year, and I can honestly pick them and be like, yeah, yeah, I think they're going to win. You know what? That's a good situation to have, though. I'll take that any day. De- definitely, dude. <laughs> let's uh, let's move on. The next game I want to talk about on the docket is the San Diego Chargers going into Atlanta and beating the Falcons 33-30 in overtime. Shaka, do you have any takeaways from this game? I think everyone's everyone easily likes to write off Philip Rivers as yep. you know. Dude, they could turn this around. Back. They are three and four, and we all know they could be six and one. Easily six and, and one, just dude, because of those games they lost. Joey it, Bosa, Joey Bosa looks amazing. Like the def- the San Diego defense looks really good now. Look at it this way. There are players who played all all seven games this, uh, so far this year, and they're dying to have the stats that Joey Bosa has in only three. Yeah. He's, he's, he's been an absolute man-child. He, he's pretty much a bully yeah. on the field when he gets out there, and it, it looks like it's taking everything they have to kind of keep him back. He's a big, bad wolf at this point mm-hmm. on that Chargers defense, which is it's awesome. And they really need it right now because they just give up so many points. They, yeah. just, they hemorrhage points. And, so and they kind of need to stop. This Falcons team, man, you know, this is the, the Jekyll, they are turning into Jekyll and Hyde. The beginning of the season, they sucked. Then they started looking really great. And then they lose a clunker at home. And it wasn't so much that they lost a clunker. It was the fact that they were in the game but then they proceeded to let San Diego come all the way back and tie it. I mean... There was a bit of a choke, and I mean by a bit, it was a lot. They they, they had him in hand, and just out of nowhere, all of a sudden, Philip Rivers just... Dude, he's... Tyrell Williams... And he's doing this with nobody. He's doing it with exactly. Tyrell Williams. He's doing it with... Hunter Henry got a concussion, had to leave the game. He, it doesn't matter. Philip Rivers still finds somebody to throw the ball to. Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon, Melvin Gordon. man. Gaudy numbers this guy's put up this year. I mean, but if you put, if you drafted him in fantasy, I'm sure you're feeling very, very smug. Because when he <laughs> scores, he scores in bunches. Dude, guy. he does. And this is the same guy who didn't get into the end zone all of last year. Melvin Gordon, hell of a turnaround this season. He's just making up for lost time right now. Now, uh, something to mention. So, Matt Ryan had a... Matt Ryan also kind of, he's been one of the best fantasy quarterbacks so far this year. And I'm going to tell you right now, I have a team that uh, I have Drew Brees and Matt Ryan, and I actually opted to go with Matt Ryan over Drew Brees. That was a mistake. Um, I understandably, you know. You understand where I was coming from. He's playing the Chiefs. 
so it was to be expected. Yeah, but uh, you know, but you know, I learned play the matchups. It's Drew Brees. Sometimes you know you can't you can't underestimate Drew Brees. But Matt Ryan, you know, at home throws a terrible, terrible interception in the fourth quarter. I mean, he's still able to get it to Julio Jones. Julio Jones got his, but nobody else really for that matter. And um, Tevin Coleman once again had a fantastic play where he's got this 30-yard touchdown run. He's turned into the backup running back who you can always start every week. But Yes, I actually started him this week, but I think he's, been, he's injured. I think that's he's right. not going to play next week. He, it's, it's, it's already sort of been released. I think he, he got a hamstring injury. He is unlikely to play next week. So right after he had a good outing, um, now you got to bench him. But with the way Atlanta's been playing, I think that just means Devontae Freeman's stock goes up this week. Like, I think by a million. I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to remember who they're playing this week, which they're probably going to bench him just as a precaution. I will tell you right now. The Atlanta Falcons are playing at home against the Green Bay Packers. Ooh. It's a tough game for him to miss, but, I, you know, it's probably precautionary and probably for the best. Because you don't want to lose a, a weapon like that for the season. And realistically, this is a team that's trying to play for the playoffs. This, they're trying to go deep. Um, exactly. I uh, any any other do you th- okay? Hunter Henry goes down with a concussion. Do you think Antonio Gates is like is he back in the mix as like a, a high end tight end for a fantasy? I would tell you to go for it with Antonio Gates. They they still look for him. He he got ten targets in this game. He dropped a touchdown pass in the end zone. Oh yeah, he did. Pretty much ruined his fantasy day. But he's still the guy. I think now that Hunter Henry is down. Antonio okay. Gates, the guy, he's practically in a wheelchair on the field, and if, and Philip Rivers will still give him a look or two downfield. He, so I, I think Gates is a safe bet to go with. Okay, okay. Um, any other takeaways from this game before we move on? Uh, the 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 wide receiver court for San Diego is just, it's like, I feel like I'm playing Wheel of Fortune. You just spin, and whoever, whoever, whatever name you land on, that's the guy who's going to have the monster day. Tyrell yeah. Williams, seven catches, 140 yards, so out of nowhere. I mean, monster, dude. I, I really feel like he's the most reliable one of the bunch, though. He seems probably, to be getting most of the looks. Probably, probably if you're going to have to, if you have no choice but to pick one of those guys, he's probably the guy to go with. Well, here, quick, uh, quick fantasy question. Deshaun Jackson or Tyrell Williams next week? Who, do, who would you start? Ooh, and I can, I can tell you who they're playing. Deshaun Jackson is going to London and playing the Cincinnati Bengals, and Tyrell Williams is going to be on the road playing the Denver Broncos. Who you start? Man, oh, man. Uh, I'm probably going to have to go with Deshaun Jackson, even though I don't like that matchup with the Bengals secondary. I don't like the Broncos matchup even less. Okay, even with Phillip Rivers, as hot as he is? Even with Philip Rivers, I would actually, if I recall, yeah, I'm still gonna go. I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna go to Sean Jackson. He's okay. due for a big game. Okay, all right. I, uh, I was talking to Katie today. She had that exact question. I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Um, let's, uh, let's go to the next game here. The next guy, game I got up on the docket: the Patriots defeat the Steelers uh, in a interesting game. Listen, I thought the Patriots came out and certainly looked impressive. Uh, Tom Brady got his. Gronk didn't get that many passes, but the passes he got, he made a lot of them. He got a touchdown. LeGarrette Blunt ran all over the place. Um, However, a couple things to mention. Uh, Chris Hogan has really not, you know, aside from a couple of big games, has not flourished with Tom Brady, and he had a pretty terrible fumble early in the game. Yes. Um, And Julian Edelman also had a pretty terrible fumble uh, later in the game. However, 
Julian Edelman got a lot of work this week. You know, this is the first time I feel like Julian Edelman got the amount of the volume that I was expecting from him. But I still don't know. I, I'm, I, my question for you, Shock, what do you think of these wide receivers for the Patriots? Because right now, LeGarrette Blunt and Gronkowski are where I want to have my money. Uh, I mean, what do you think about this offense for the Patriots right now? Well, bear in mind, Julian Edelman has and always will be that check-down guy for Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, and he was. I think he had something like nine catches this past week. And he's always going to be that guy who gets, you know, all right, this guy isn't open, this guy isn't open. You know, you're you're the guy I look to who's, even if it's not going to be big yardage, you'll give me six yards on a pass. You'll Mm -hmm. give me four yards. You'll give me nine yards. You know, just Mr. Consistency. So I would tell you, if you're in a PPR league, Julian Edelman, he's not going to put up the numbers he put up last year or the year before in terms of just because the the Patriots have so many weapons now. They're so loaded that he's just not going to have as much value. But Edelman, you never know. It's, again, situational because that Steelers defense is not amazing, but you still have to respect them. And I think Tom Brady did that when he checked down. So Edelman's still always his value, especially against good teams. Okay. Uh, now, about the Steelers. So Landry Jones is clearly not Ben Roethlisberger. He, he's got some ability. He could definitely... He's competitive. He's competitive, but, you know, there's just some things that he can't do that Ben Roethlisberger can. Um, you know, there were some passes on third down that he tried to squeeze him in, and he just couldn't. Um, I really feel like the Steelers put together a poor game plan here. They tried to get him to do everything Roethlisberger could do, and it just doesn't work that way. Um Antonio Brown still got his, had 100 yards receiving. I, I've been saying this from day one. With Roethlisberger going down, I, I still think Antonio Brown has value. Um, Le'Veon Bell has great value as well. I don't, if anything, his stock is continuing to go up. Um, I, I, don't, I can't say anything about the other wide receivers on this Steeler team. Like, that's the real thing. Yeah. The Sammy Coates, the Eli Rogers, the Marcus Wheaton. You know, I these, think that touches on what you're saying in terms of uh, just Landry Jones just not being Ben like Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger makes those other guys on that roster into weapons. Yeah. Well, otherwise, it's it's all questionable. Landry Jones threw almost 50 times. Yeah. You know, for 281 yards and a touchdown and a pick. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I don't, I'll give them credit. They were competitive. They, they stayed in it. Yeah. But they just ultimately they just do not have the firepower to keep up with no. the Patriots. And it's not not even close. Something else to mention here: this also exposed a little bit the Patriots' defense. You know, I know they shut out the Texans in Week Three on that Thursday night game, but I think we're seeing now the Texans' offense is fairly inept. But yeah, they have questions. They got serious issues on the offensive side. We'll get to that game soon enough. But this Patriots' D. I'm not saying they're bad, but I'm not saying they're good either. Like that's something to be mindful of because the Steelers. You know, I think the Patriots built a pretty big lead and had the game in hand for most of the time, but the Steelers, I mean, they crawled back into it and they were threatening the Patriots, you know, pretty convincingly. I mean, do you have any sort of fears about this Patriots D? Like, could that Patriots D be the thing that's their undoing? You know what I mean? It's definitely questionable. And and I think the Steelers, to a degree, they knew they couldn't go deep on this team. So they chipped away a lot of screen passes. They ran the football enough times, respectively, but it it's still it's just not going to be enough when you have to basically play catch-up with Tom Brady throwing down the field over yeah. and over and over again. No, that's... And, you know, the Patriots have some pieces. They've got Malcolm Butler. They've got uh, Devin McCourty and Dante Hightower. 
But there, you're right. They do have a few chinks in the armor, and a, a, eventually someone, someone's gonna expose them. The Bills already did amazingly, which I, I, I gotta go back and look at that game. Just yeah. Because. I mean, but, you know, uh, I'm sort of chalking that up to the Jacoby Brissett last game, sort of like whatever. Probably. But, but yeah, just. I mean, they did they, shut them out. That says a lot. Which is crazy. Uh, the Patriots, they still the team to beat, no question. Oh, of course. But they do, they're, not, they're not invincible. They can be beaten. Yeah, they're just, they're just so damn good. You've got to put together a full 60-minute game to truly eke out a win against that Patriots yeah. team, even with the flaws that the Patriots have. The guns have to be blazing from the first whistle to the end of the game, no question. All right, you want to move on to the next game? Yeah, let's move. I got here the New Orleans Saints losing on the road to the Kansas City Chiefs. A couple of takeaways I want to throw out right off the bat, Shaka. For the Saints, Drew Brees throws the ball a lot. Michael Thomas and Willie Sneed, it wasn't one or the other. Both of them were in the mix. And for the Chiefs, they're a good team, but they're like the Vikings. Defense is what wins them their games. Their offense is pretty forgettable. Jeremy Macklin, I mean... I kind of have been biding my time with him on a few of my teams, hoping for that, you know, that six-catch, 140-yard touchdown game. But I don't know if it's going to be coming anytime soon. And I'm starting to feel like, you know, I don't want to get rid of Jeremy Macklin, but I might be putting him on my bench in the next couple of weeks. What were some of the takeaways you had from this game? Anything in particular? Well, it's definitely just a good way to look at what a playoff-ready team versus a team that's just not quite there. Good point. In, in between these two guys. And I love Drew Brees. He's, 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 gonna a, basically he's amazing. Every week he, on is, our team. he is amazing. The, the man is an absolute machine. He also almost threw 50 times for a much better <laughs> effect. But just... And even then, he still wasn't perfect. And there was still moments where that defense kind of exposed them. They had a lot of fumbles in this game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And even then, Drew Brees managed to keep. He he just fought. He kept them in it, but just in the end, just not enough to get over the hump against the Kansas City team. Yeah, uh, I mean the Kansas City team. There, it's Andy Reid and his defense. You know, the name of the game is ground and pound. Even whether whether yeah. it's you know checkdown passes or or screen passes to Spencer Ware, it's still all about the running backs. It's all about Spencer Ware. It's all about Jamal Charles. I didn't really. I don't think we saw much of him, but. I'm t- Alex I don't know Smith. What's going on? Charles is kind of Charles hasn't really gotten as much of a a look as I thought he would. I mean, I think in some ways Spencer Ware is the hot hand. Why even take the ball away from him? I, it's, That's I, fair. Alex Smith is very content to not throw the ball, and with the way the team is playing and the, how strong the defense is, I think Andy Reid and the whole team is content to not throw the ball. If they keep winning, you know, why change anything? It's a very conservative offense for sure. But uh, I know, dude, I know you like Michael Thomas. You like him a lot, dude. I like him a lot. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and put him on the uh, on the fantasy stash list. You should take him for sure. Okay. Just because it looks like Drew Brees likes him a lot too. He led the team in targets, and I mean, he made he made the most out of all of them. I mean, ten catches for 130 yards. And now, mind you, Will, Willie Sneed was in there with like nine catches as well. I thought it was one or the other, man. But I was wrong, man. Drew Brees. Dude, anybody who's out there can go get it. Yeah, I'm sure he's on the waiver wire. So if you're if you're hurting right now, and it's, I know the bye week is coming up for a few teams, so if you're hurting, you can go grab him. Do you? Um, how do you feel? Just real quick before we get away from this. Uh, aside from Spencer Ware, 
I mean, do you feel good about any of these offensive players for the Chiefs? Like, what if you've got Travis Kelsey as your tight end? Like, do you feel good about that? Uh, Kelsey is one of those guys just frustrating. I, I had him last year, and I was expecting last year to be his, his big breakout year and kind of have, like, a mini grown effect. And Kansas City apparently just never really factored him into the offense in that way. And it looks like this year is the same thing. He had a, one or two good games, like solid games, but he just doesn't have that same kind of dominant, he's the guy they're going to throw to on third down, or any down really for that matter. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I just don't feel good about Chelsea. Okay. Jeremy Macklin, I still like. Macklin had obviously a monster year last Dude, year. Dude, I love Macklin, man. But this year, it looks like the offense is going a little more with the screen passes, and Spencer Ware is he's not giving him any reason to not go with the screen pass. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of changed the dynamic of the offense a little bit. I think they're playing a conservative, and, and Macklin's hurting for it right now. Yeah, yeah. I uh, it, Listen, as a Macklin owner, I want to see him come on hotter and strong soon, but, you know, I definitely got to, you know, peg him down on my list a little bit more. He's kind of in the Stefan Diggs world where – you know, until I see a little bit more production, I mean, he's got to be on my bench. That's a good call. Um, you want to get away from this game? Yeah. Let's go to the Buffalo Bills surprisingly losing in Miami to the Dolphins and Jay Ajaye making history running for 200 yards for the second straight game. Shaka, do you have any particular thoughts you want to share with us about Jay Ajaye? And I think you know what I'm talking about. Well... Last week, I'm going to start this by saying last week, we, we talked about this one frustration. Is this a fluke? Is this one 200-yard game going to be a fluke and we're going to go back down to earth next week? And we both said, I don't know. We were so uncertain. We were very uncertain. And up until, I think it was Friday, I had JJ in my starting lineup. Wow. Because, because uh, LaShawn McCoy was dealing with this injury from Wednesday, his hamstring, He's kind of up in the air, and it looked like he wasn't going to play. Dude, I, I thought he wasn't going to play. I mean, they were ready to say he, would be, he was going to be out for weeks. Yeah, and they had him benched, so I had him had him benched. Saturday comes around, Sean McCoy's going to be playing. He's like, I'm not going to be 100%, but I'm playing. So, of course, Sean McCoy's been probably one of the most consistency, consistent fantasy players this whole year. MVP he's, candidate? He's, yeah, he's done it. He's done it this year. He's, so I was like, how can I not play him? Maybe they, you know, and it's also the Buffalo Bills. They might have just been bullshitting. Mm-hmm. So, uh, naturally, I bench Jai. I start with Sean McCoy. Bum, and bum, bum. by Sunday, I am crying. I'm pretty sure I texted you, and I was like, again, a Jai. Well, actually, you texted me, and Jai again. Absolutely Dude. just destroying them on the ground. <sighs> Man, nobody could have predicted it. And, you know, I was saying to you, we got to think of a name for this. We got to think of a name for when a superstar player gets hurt and then decides to show up and play at the last minute and then just dupes all of us because he ends up being a decoy. We've seen Megatron do that. Uh, we saw Gronk do that. We've seen Jamal yeah. Charles do that. I, just, It was painful. I mean, dude, I, I um, one of my teams, I'm really strapped for running backs. I picked up Mike Gillisley. I started Mike Gillisley. He ended up oh. not really... Yeah, and what the hell was the deal with him? I thought he was going to do something. If even, even when McCoy wasn't productive and ended up sitting out for the rest of the game, Gillisley didn't even really get into the mix. Reggie Bush got a touchdown. Which, of all things, I forgot, I completely forgotten Reggie Bush was on the Bills. You for, I playing. bet you you forgot he was in the league, didn't you? That, that's like pretty much. He's kind of an afterthought for me. But he played his. He, he, he tried, man. He played his ass off. Yeah. He tried to, he tried to make something happen. So uh, he, you know what? He might be looking at... Um, 
Well, I, I got to be mindful as to who the hell is starting because I need somebody for my. I got my one team with no running backs, and I'll pick up whoever the hell's starting for that team. Um, well, you and me both now because now I have the big McCoy question. But I do have Jay Ajayi, even though he's in a bye week next week. Dude, hang on to him. I, I think he. Dude, he made Arian Foster retire. Arian Foster came out and retired yeah, yesterday. I, I think Foster was just kind of one. I, I think he probably was not handling the recovery and the, the you know the rehab too well mm-hmm. and factor in where it was looking like his starting job was being handed away because the Jaye last year was kind of um on the cusp of becoming you know the, i think miami was going to give him a chance last year to start but he just had so many fumbling issues yeah and and lamar miller had had cemented the starting job last year and and you know, listen, I heard Arian Foster on a few podcasts this past summer before the season started. I mean, he is a guy who clearly takes care of his body and is very, very good about, um, you know, nurturing, health, nutrition. And I think he did everything he could conceivably do to get healthy and come back and play. And I think he learned very quickly that, you know, these injuries, you know, and I've, I've listened to, uh, you know, the ESPN Fantasy Focus podcast where Stefania uh, Bell comes on. She's the... She's the medical person, and she's like, listen, when you've got a soft tissue injury, hamstrings, groin, you know, not a broken bone, those things are the trickiest to come back to because you said it, man. Like, even with Stephon Diggs, if he's got a hamstring or a groin injury, part of him might be worried that he's going to re-injure it. And, you know... I think I just humbled him. I think he's just really humbled by that whole situation. I mean, I think Arian Foster knows how good he is, and he knows deep down that his body is not able to do what he can do anymore. And not only that, but he came back a couple of weeks ago, and I think he tried to get into the mix with the running backs, but Ajayi was just so friggin' hot. It was like, why am I even going to try to get into the mix? Let me just get out of his way. And I mean, I, th- I think it was the most tasteful way to retire. And it's also, it's just another sign of the NFL and how things work in this game. You know, retirements, it's, it's merciless. This game, you don't leave this game. You get knocked out of this game. And even then, when you leave, it's just kind of a blink. There's going to be a moment of sadness, and then it's back to business. And then it's like, all right, so next, you know, we're on a bye, and the week after, we're playing this team, you know, and that's it. Exactly. So it's a good way to go. It's a good way to go from. Um, so, adios, Arian Foster. We will miss you. Uh, Jarvis Landry looked good. He he put up some decent numbers. Um, Marcus Goodwin put up some decent numbers for the Bills, but I'm still not trusting any of those Bills receivers. I'm trusting Tyrod Taylor, but I'm not trusting anybody he throws it to. Do you feel differently? Tyrod Taylor is, Tyrod Taylor is a freak of nature. Yes, he is. One, I think I, really this is such an underrated guy. He's got a laser beam of an arm. Mm-hmm. But it, Sammy Watkins, look, Sammy Watkins is pretty much, I'm going to write him off as just kind of done. Mm-hmm. So they have no no choice but to kind of look at Goodwin as their number one at this point. Okay. Woods, they got Roy Woods, who's a solid guy, but he's more of a possession receiver. Mm-hmm. The thing about Goodwin is just, I feel like he's just not going to be consistent. No, he, he's know. like Torrey Smith in San Francisco. He's a home run hitter. If you don't hit a home run a to home him, run hitter, he's yeah. going to do nothing. He'll give you a touchdown when a defense, you know, misses the communication or the guy falls down when he's supposed to be, you know, on assignment. So it's not so much luck, but it's just kind of situational. He's not going to give that to you every week like a uh, T.Y. Hilton. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. honestly, if you're desperate, I say stash him, but he just really, there's not much upside. Okay. Unless he all of a sudden has kind of a, an unlightened moment. Okay. Um, anything else? Do you want to get away from this game? Uh, I, I think that's it. 
Yeah, I think everything else in terms of Miami's offense is just yeah. Like I don't trust anything else. I don't trust Tannehill. I don't trust Devontae no. Parker. I don't trust Kenny Stills. Jordan Cameron. Even though they get Kenny Stills, he's another home run hitter. One 60-yard touchdown pass. If he doesn't do that, he's like one catch for nine yards. And I think the defenders ran into each other, which is why he, he ran that 60 yards. Yeah, so. God, Jesus. Kenny Stills. I'm not buying it. Um, let's move on to the next game. The, Det- uh, the uh, Detroit Lions defeat the Washington Redskins in Detroit with a very, very exciting game-winning touchdown to Anquan Bolden in the closing seconds of the game to win it for Detroit. Um, what are some of your takeaways from this game, Shaka? I really like that Detroit Lions wide receiving core. Yes, because Golden he, Tate, he, Golden he, Tate's back now. The, yeah. He, Golden State is playing some football right now. Yes, like he, he is. He, he's, he, he's not shitting around anymore, Mm-mm. and he, he looks he looks good out there. He looks like he's making people look like idiots on yeah. the field. And you know maybe the the Golden Tate being sort of you know vanishing was just the beginning of the season because the Lions came out rather sluggish. They lost their first couple of games, but now Lions are four and three. They look good. Matthew Stafford is playing really great football, and Golden Tate got a lot more targets in this game than Marvin Jones. Like. Now it's looking like a real tandem between Golden Tate and Marvin Jones. I mean, I mean, Golden Tate is back up in it. I'm expecting some big things over the next couple of games from him. I think you can chalk up the the lack of targets from Marvin Jones to the fact that Josh Norman was covering him. Yep. Even though he did burn Josh Norman one really bad time, uh, he torched him downfield and he got a pass in the Ferris because Norman just it was basically he caught Norman uh, slipping and yeah. Norman just had to do anything to kind of kind of make up the space and you know um, i think the sign of a good secondary player is if they give up one major play that's pretty good because marvin jones could have had five of those big plays and instead he only had one so you know um give credit to golden tate for kind of taking advantage of the opportunities presented Mm -hmm. just by all the attention drawn to marvin jones Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think the only other thing i really really stood out to me actually i guess this goes for both teams the running back situation is just that awful. Yeah, both teams, both it's bad. Sides. Matt Jones, and you know, looked so good against the Eagles and looked so bad against the Lions. He looks like he's trying to give away that starting job right now. Oh, my God. The fumble, the fumble machine this guy, Matt Jones. It's been like two oh. or three years now he's been a fumble machine. Oh, and, you know, and the guys, Chris Thompson and Robert Kelly, those guys are not bad. Chris Thompson had a pretty solid game. Yeah. Like, like Matt Jones, dude, he could very easily lose this job. That whole running back situation in Washington, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. Pineapples, yeah, I don't I mean, like Matt it. Jones, Matt Jones has so much talent, but when, when, you, when you're costing your team, you know, possessions by fumbling it away, it doesn't really – there's no reason to put you on the field. If yeah. you can't keep the football, then we're not going to keep you on. And I want to highlight uh, the Redskins' offensive line. They had two offensive line injuries to Brandon Scherf and Trent Williams, and it really changed the the, the look of the game. You know, it's you know, Chaka. I've been watching offensive lines and defensive lines much more this season. I'm just kind of geeking out on football and the nuance. It's amazing how one player on that offensive line, you take away a right guard or a left tackle and put in his backup. The oh, whole God. look of the team will change. And I mean, you know, Just listen. The guy ends up caving in, you know, on assignments. Yeah, and then all of a sudden the pocket collapses faster. The route doesn't develop. The, 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 there's pass rush. The quarterback has to throw it early. Like, everything kind of gets screwed up. And 
you know, that sort of seemed to be a little bit of the undoing for the Redskins because the Lions, I mean, they picked up the pace and they kind of got on them. And even though the Lions run game sucks, Matthew Stafford was able to, you know, really, really do some damage in the air. And I think that was the difference maker in the end. Yeah, really. I mean, I, I guess you'd say pretty close to evenly matched teams, except it just the Lions receiving core is just so much better. Yeah, and this is this is you're you're saying so much better, and we're talking about. Listen, I know Captain Kirk Cousins has been up and down, but he passes the ball. He had 300 yards passing. Jamison Crowder, Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garcon. These guys are good, and the Lions have a better passing game. Sorry, I. Uh... It's okay. <laughs> That's what you were you were choking on the fact that the uh, the lion the Detroit Lions have a better passing game, and we're probably saying this without Megatron. I was just taking a minute trying not to die, which is amazing, by the way. I think I think uh, and what's it's starting to kind of come around to everyone is that Matthew Stafford is, is really good, that good of a quarterback. Yeah, just, you know, it wasn't all Megatron. It wasn't just throw it to Megatron and catch it from wherever you put it. But Stafford actually is a legitimate. NFL quarterback and probably one of the best in the league right now. And we got to give him credit because he also had a handful of years where he was lost to injury. He had some injury issues early in his career that we've forgotten because, you know, he's been healthy for so many straight seasons. But, you know, underrated. Matthew Stafford just underrated and, you know, good for the Lions. I think they deserve the, you know, the accolades they've been getting because they're a decent team who's, you know, really been bad for a long time. They had a couple of up and down seasons, but, you know, then they lose Indomitian Sue. They lose Nick Fairley. It's hard to think they can kind of continue this this standard of excellence or at least the, you know, you just expect them to go right down to the toilet and, and they're not right. this year. And it's a really beautiful thing, in my opinion. Well, they've won three in a row right now. It's the question. Let's see if they can keep it going. Yeah, let's see. Let's see. Um, let's move on. Um, more NFC North teams. Let's jump back to Thursday night with the with the Green Bay Packers beaten up on the Chicago Bears. Brian Hoyer breaks his arm, and Matt Barkley comes in. They're now on their third string quarterback. Um, Aaron Rodgers looked good through three touchdowns. Uh, any takeaways you got from this game, Shaka? Well, I think we we had a conversation about if everything was okay in Green Bay in terms of. Uh, yeah, that offense. Oh, I think oh. they're fine. I, I think we were talking about again, that. Aaron Rodgers just kind of, and I, I actually watched some of this game on um, NFL.com was streaming it mm-hmm. from the website, which is kind of cool. Really, I didn't but, know um, that. That's good to know. Yeah, I, I, I kind of stumbled, and I was actually going to look for the score, and it was lo and behold, it was the first thing on the front page was the game itself. Oh, nice. So that was I didn't know that was a thing. I think it was the first time they've done it. But uh, it was it was a nice little. I was like, okay, I guess I can kind of check it out in the background while I do stuff. That's great. But I got a chance to see this kid, um, Montgomery. Dude, Ty Montgomery, oh, really? He he was the he was the fucking running back. Which was so bizarre to me. I mean, I saw him line up. I was like, okay, this is a trick play, and I was like, no, this is actually a thing. He is the running back. Yeah, and, I was I was really it? shocked. I was like, you know, I heard. On one of on Matthew Barry's podcast, they were like, you know, they're talking about how this guy might be the guy to, to, you know, they were talking about bringing up this guy Don Jackson from the practice squad. He they brought up this guy Don Jackson, and he got two carries, and Ty Montgomery got all the other carries. Yeah, it was kind of bizarre, but at the same time, he just looked he looked good. He looked natural. Dude, he was so close to a one yard red zone touchdown, so close. And just the, the Packers wide receivers just put up gaudy numbers. I think they had three wide receivers with 10 catches. Mm-hmm. And Ty Montgomery is, was one of them. So Ty Montgomery yeah. had about 10 catches, and he had all the carries. Like, this guy it's was the pretty man. Much like, 
Madden video game numbers at this point where it's just ridiculous. I mean, I'm kind of curious to see how long this is going to last because it seemed more like a desperation move since they had just lost Lacey and Starks. But, I mean, we might see Ty Montgomery getting a lot of carries in this next game. And I think on my crappy team with no running backs, I'm going to have to start Ty Montgomery, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I I think, well, now they they signed him, uh, but he still kind of has to get up to speed before we can give him a shot. Like, Niall Davis came in at the end of the game to do some garbage minutes, but, you know, again, when you don't know the playbook and you're brand new, they're going to go with somebody who's been around just a little bit longer. It should be fun to watch. I'm really curious to see how this, I don't want to put, say, quote-unquote experiment, because it looks like they have have confidence that this this is it. No, guys, this is not a joke. We're doing this. Um, So, I... I'm curious to see if this this goes somewhere. Two more questions before we get away from this game. One about the Packers. Devontae Adams was a freak of nature. Had 12 catches, two touchdowns, monster. Do you think this is going to replicate? Or is this just... Because, listen, Jordy Nelson disappeared in this game. Like, do you feel as though it's a Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, Jordy Nelson fun show, and it's just who's going to pop up this week? Is it? Do you think that's Uh... what's going on? You, you make me so anxious when you ask me that question because I've asked myself that earlier today. I was looking at, you know, the available free agents on the waiver wire, and I looked at him, and I think I stared at Devontae Adams' name for a good 60 seconds, and I was yeah. like, I, I, I just don't know. I can't do it. Yeah, it's it's like, something a little bit janky about that uh, that offense and just in terms of uh, who the man is and mm-hmm. just who the backup is because you expect you expect Jordy Nelson to kind of get more looks. And, yeah. You know, but I don't know if that injury that he had last year has kind of made him lose a step. I mean, he just doesn't seem to be a factor in the offense anymore. I would, I would hope. I mean, listen, there was a couple of games in the early part of the season where he looked fantastic, and so yeah, it looked like a return to form. You know, I'm, I'm sort of thinking like, is, is he slowing down? You know, is it getting to a situation, or you know, where Aaron Rodgers wants to throw to Cobb and Devontae Adams more, or was that just this week? And then Jordy Nelson has a seven-catch, 90-yard game for a touchdown next week. I don't know. I would say put Devontae Adams on the watch list. I'm I'm not 100% in yet. Okay. It just, I, but you know what? The offense looked good with that 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 tandem. Mm-hmm. So it's something to see. It's something to kind of uh, keep an eye on. Second question before we get away from this game, the Bears. Um Anything worth like Jordan Howard? The run he had a he had a nothing game. Um, Cameron Meredith finally came back down to earth. Do you think he's worth having now that Hoyer is gone? Um, well, I'm, for a fact, I dropped Cameron Meredith because I just watched Matt Barkley. I mean, Matt just Barkley, the quarterback, he looked. He's not uh, good. I don't have a nice word. He looked like shit. He looked. He, 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 looked, he looked uninspired. He he looked like he was just throwing the football. There was no. There's no kind of intelligence behind it. There was no reading the field, nothing. He's just throwing the football because that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, it's. I mean, I remember him in Philly. He was drafted by Chip Kelly. It's. Uh, I mean, the, the sure. positivity is that Jay sure Cutler should just, be back soon. I'm not sure if it's just a jarring. Hey, uh, starter broke his arm. You're in. If he was just kind of you know disoriented, but he just he did not look inspired out there. So I got everything on that. That Chicago Bears offense right now is kind of radioactive. And Jay Cutler coming back to start next week, another tense quarterback situation. Yeah. You know. And and does not make you feel good. It's not like any of those offensive players, their stock goes up with Cutler coming back. This is true. I don't know if uh, Meredith and Cutler have kind of a a rapport. 
Yeah, we're going to find out. So we're going to find out. But I'm definitely, I'm also going to be dropping Cameron Meredith on one of my teams as well. I think his, I think his 15 minutes of fame has has ended. <laughs> it happened. All right, let's get off this game. Next game on the docket: Oakland Raiders defeating the Jacksonville Jaguars in sunny Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, my takeaways are nothing new. I mean, Michael Crabtree looked great. Amari right. Cooper was kind of shut down, but then again, they were. Latavius Murray came back with two rushing touchdowns. I think those were probably situational. And look, at this point, when the Raiders line up in the red zone, everyone's kind of got their eyes on Michael Crabtree. It's yeah. only so long you can kind of self-grasp the same thing. Even though he's been fantastic in that situation, someone's going to catch on eventually. So the smart thing to do is kind of mix it up. And Latavius Murray took advantage of those situations. No, I agree. And I think Latavius Murray, at the very least... Yes, they do shake things up in the running back uh, situation there in Oakland. We've talked about this on multiple podcasts, but um, if they're, if Oakland is, an, is a high-powered offense now, which means they're going to find their way into the red zone often, and if they're in the red zone, there's a chance they're going to run it in, and I think if Latavius Murray is healthy and playing, they're going to at least try to give it to him in the red zone. So I think his production and his numbers – I'm willing to roll with it if it means he's going to get red zone carries, and I think he will. So that's why I'm I'm kind of feeling like, you know what, I'm willing to ride the Latavius Murray train a little bit further. Would you agree or you disagree? You know what, that's, when you explain it like that and I think about it, you know what, you're absolutely right. This Oakland Raiders offense is just that good. I want to say they'll score at will on you, but there's a good chance they're going to get down the field yeah. and give themselves you know a good opportunity to get in. Mm-hmm. So even if they don't beat you on the ground, you know, they can still throw it on you. So it's, and even then, the thing is Murray can catch the ball out of the backfield. Yeah. So there are plenty of opportunities for him to get involved, especially in the red zone. Yeah, I think they really enjoyed having him back this week. Now, the Jaguars, oh God, man, just, I, I, I Where do we even start? Dude, where do we start, man? Everything is bad for this team right now. And Allen Robinson, this is, this still is a very, thing. very serious discussion, man, because he is fallen very far from number one wide receiver status. What? Give me some Which thoughts. Which is crazy. Last, I mean, I just think about the... I remember going, effing Allen Robinson is whooping my ass this week. And now this... And I, I, I barely think about him this year. He's done nothing. It's, it's crazy. Just I mean, to, I got him on a team and I'm ready to bench him. There should be nothing different in terms of quarterback to wide receiver conceptually. It's just... The offense is just not really tailored around him getting the football, and it should be because they're just they should be better. Like Blake Bortles in that passing game should be what this offense does, considering how poor Chris Ivory and T.J. Yeldon have been playing. I I don't understand what's going on. I, and they're I playing from behind. They should be throwing the ball. I don't know who to grab and shake. I don't know if it's the offensive coordinator. I don't know if it's the head coach. I don't know if it's the organization. Just someone needs to be throttled to kind of snap out of this because it's. It's all going downhill. Shit is not working for them right now. No, it's not. I, I, they're like the Bears from a fantasy standpoint. All of them are radioactive. I don't want to touch any of them. Uh, I mean, Julius Thomas has been fairly promising, but still not super productive. No. Alan Hearns. Marquise Lee. Marquise Lee had a great game. I've been waiting for him to show up and actually be like a legitimate NFL player for, what, two years now. Do you think he's – is he worth a stash, though? I, I not yet. I, this is just this is a sample size of one game, but I mean, he's. I've always thought I used to watch him at USC, and I thought he had the potential to be not a superstar, but he oh, like a Michael Crabtree in that sense. When you needed 
a big cat, she could do it for you. I mean, they've been, you know, they've been waiting on guys like that to come around, uh, you know, for, for a while. I mean, they've, Marquise Lee has certainly been, you know, they've been hoping he can get into this mix and they've just, so many things have just not gone their way. I mean, listen, Hey, if they still had Justin Blackman on the team, I mean, they could be doing some damage, but even with the way Blake Bortles has been throwing the ball, I don't even know if he could be catching the ball. There's some big, some big problems with this offense and I, doesn't look like they're going to get solved anytime soon. So no. I, you know what? You bench Allen Robinson. That's probably the best best thing you can do for him right now. Dude, I I agree. It's tough. It's really tough to say it, but Jaguars have fallen pretty far. Do you want to get away from this game? Yes, please. Next up, we're going to talk about some more uncomfortable to talk about AFC South teams. The Indianapolis Colts go into Tennessee and beat the Titans. Ay, ay, ay. You know, I was just about to say Gus Bradley should get fired, but... The Titans, man, the Titans. They were looking so good. The defense was starting to improve. The offensive line looks better. Marcus Mariota started to look better. DeMarco Murray's running like a bat out of hell. And then they get, and then Andrew Luck by himself alone, Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton alone defeated them. What what are your (laughs) thoughts from this game? Jack Doyle. Hey, man. Toward the end of that game, this. Andrew Luck pretty much telegraphed all his passes to him, and there was nothing they could do about it. Yeah. He pretty much he pretty much kept them. He kept the, the offense moving down the field. Otherwise, the game would have been over. Yeah. But of all people, Jack Doyle, you let him kind of break this up, dude. And with it, Kobe Fleener leaving in free agency, Dwayne Allen getting a contract, you get Jack Doyle. Some guy is now the dominant tight end on this team, and Andrew Luck is force feeding him the ball. What the hell is going on? Yeah, I it's mind boggling. I I'm still trying to figure out this Tennessee Titans team as a whole. Dude, because like I, bad. like we said before, they have good pieces. They have they have positives going forward, but just overall, they're just not gonna be someone you know. No, you should be worried. Like about this, that, this was a statement game. This was a home game. It was a divisional game. It was against Andrew Luck, the the darling of the AFC South. Like, this was the opportunity to say, hey, we're in this, and it's either going to be the Texans or the Titans this season, not the Colts, okay? We're we're really trying to win this division. And then all of it just came crashing down, and Andrew Luck, with his terrible offensive line and his atrocious defense, still manages to pull out a victory. I mean, you know what? I can't wait until Andrew Luck actually has a, a good team to play for. Dude, can you imagine Andrew Luck on the Cowboys? Come on, man. Just, just taking... Just taking red and turn it into a goddamn Canada goose jacket. These the guys, you know, one day, yeah. one day we'll see it. Yeah, one day we will see it. You know, hopefully that day will be after the Indianapolis Colts fire Ryan Grigson and Chuck Pagano. I mean, this is just bad. Um, also, T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Yeah, Hilton, man. Amazing. Kids gold. So they, there are a few few silver linings. I mean, that's something I think T.Y. Hilton has definitely been rewarding some of his fantasy owners the last couple of weeks. uh, Because, you know, I think he... I think he kind of gets, like, the second fiddle from, you know, when you talk about the top-tier wide receivers, you know... You're right. T.Y. Hilton is is kind of in that discussion, but we don't think of him. Like, if we look at his... He's got a Marvin Harrison kind of vibe where he just... He doesn't do anything unsung, but when you look at the stat sheet, you're like, wow, like, your eyebrows are raised. I mean some really gaudy numbers the last couple of weeks and I mean I've I would love to have him on a couple of my teams right now I mean would you agree uh I could take him 
Easily. Um, the last thing I'll mention before we, or well, two things I'll mention. Uh, Jack Doyle, legitimate tight end one. Do you agree? Or, or really, Jack Doyle over Dwayne Allen. What do you think? Yes or no? I think we had this conversation maybe week one or week two, and I wasn't ready to bite yet. But Jack Doyle's not going away. Okay. He hasn't put up superstar numbers quite this year, but Dwayne Allen, if you got Dwayne Allen, just let him go. I don't think you're going to miss much. Yeah, he's, he's more fight. of a blocker than anything else. The last thing I'll say is the Titans, we've talked about this before, Titans passing game. What, I mean, is there anybody there? I guess, is, is Delaney Walker still the only guy in the passing game we feel good about? I think so. It's just, Tajay Sharp has not become what they expected. No. And listen, he's a rookie. It's early, but it's not happening this season. I think they were hoping for him to blow up immediately. And, you know, just the rest of the squad, there's just nothing, nothing to hold on to. Yeah. Oh, God, Titans, so disappointing. Um, anything else to say about this game? Uh, I think that's it. I'm, I'm really trying really hard, but... Just nothing. I know it's it's these AFC South teams are just really rough, really rough. Um, okay, Sunday night football: the Seattle Seahawks tie the Arizona Cardinals six six. I don't know if you watched all this game, but I am. I don't know if I'm happy or sad to say that I did watch all of this game. I'm glad I missed this one. Actually, I think I, I checked in because I had Russell Wilson and Jimmy Graham playing, <laughs> and they were, I was kind of hoping they would put me over the hump in this one game. I was uh, won my matchup. Didn't work out, did it? Obviously. Obviously. I should have bet on that one. No, that did not work out. This was uh, – the takeaway that I have for this game, um, uh, number one, defense. Defense, defense, defense. These are clearly two of the best defenses in the league, and they showed it. They really showed it. Arizona looked great. They – the Seattle Seahawks offensive line is abysmal. One of – Chris Collinsworth could not – Stop mentioning how little money the Seattle team spent on their offensive line, and it showed well, it's because much of redundancy because it was the same problem last year. Is the same problem last year, and really, you're starting to think now, like, should they have traded Max Unger for Jimmy Graham? He was a key piece of their offensive line that they moved to get Jimmy Graham, and I kind of think they're wishing they had him back. Probably, um, it's it's weird to, to see. I mean, because Jimmy Graham, and look, all things considered, Jimmy Graham's turn out to be a pretty good investment now, mm-hmm. not that he's healthy. But in the long run, you've got a quarterback with a bad knee and two bad ankles. Yes, with a terrible and, offensive line. And I think his ability to move and, and get out of the pocket and make throws is what covered up the poor play from the offensive line. And now that he's a little immobile, the Seahawks offense is suffering. And you take away Marshawn Lynch. Listen, Christian Michael ain't bad, but, I mean, you take away this mar- – you take away beast mode. And even that's even more that you're removing from their offense. It's, I mean, Arizona defense really silenced them. It was impressive. I think they're really hoping that uh, Thomas Rawls or someone can come back and kind of just give them some kind of boost. They need they need something. They need something especially to kind of alleviate some of the pressure that Russell Wilson has to deal with. Even though he's been so good handling it. It's it, it has to be a change. There's you know, got to be something else. Before we get away from Russell Wilson, because you clearly have him on a fantasy team, I have him on a fantasy team, and we discussed a couple, you know, a couple of shows ago. You know, do we do we get scared about his production? And then you know he had a game against your Jets where he threw three hundred yards and had a lot of touchdowns, and it was like, oh, he's Russell Wilson, he'll be fine. Turns out that was the only positive game he's had. All the other games he's had have been very pedestrian yeah. to mediocre. 
you know, is it time to start thinking about replacing Russell Wilson on your fantasy team? What do you think? I, I still, I, you know what, I think that's one of the questions where I don't really have too many doubts about. I still feel confident about him. Again, it goes back to the running game. Thomas Rawls should be back in week eight. And, you know, Russell Wilson hasn't really, they haven't shown that his injuries are getting any worse. If anything, he's probably going to be a little bit healthier. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, the only question is still the offensive line. And if they can kind of get this shit together, they're still a good team. Yeah, no I mean, listen, this is a 4-1-1 one, and one team with an amazing defense. So, hey, it's not it's not all, you know, it's, it's, it's not abysmal, but if the offensive line can kind of pick up the slack a little bit, this team is still dangerous, and Russell Wilson at any point, because he's got Doug Baldwin to throw to, mm-hmm. who also puts up guardian numbers, mm-hmm. and you got Jimmy Graham, you can do some things. Okay, okay. So, I, I'm... I'm still riding with Russell Wilson for right now. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the Cardinals offense for a second here, because again, Seahawks defense looked great. Cardinals offense also has problems on the offensive line. I think more so with, um, they've had injury issues is really their problem, but you know, they they also have poor offensive line play. Um, The thing to note is, number one, it's, it's no secret that the passing game for the Cardinals has been struggling this year. Carson Palmer was throwing balls out of his mind last year and making these crazy plays. This year, the timing is off. The passes are getting dropped. Michael Floyd, John Brown, they're not doing what they did last year. Larry Fitzgerald looks great as a slot possession guy, but you know they're not airing it out. They're trying to, and they can't. And what's happening is they're just giving the ball to David Johnson, which is great because David Johnson, he is officially Jesus in pads this year. I mean, he can do no wrong. He can run through anything, and that's, I think, one of the biggest reasons they've been staying in the game. But I can't deny that this passing game is suffering, and I did it so much that I had Carson Palmer on one of my teams, and I benched him for Andy Dalton, and Andy Dalton had a better day. So, I mean... Yeah, I think you... It's really weird. I'm I'm really trying to kind of piece together a timeline. My girlfriend had Carson Palmer on her starting, and I told her to bench... Just from the matchup, the Seahawks defense is good, and Carson Palmer is just kind of questionable right now. Mm -hmm. But I'm looking back on a timeline where I'm thinking about last year, back when Chris Johnson was the starting running back Mm -hmm. for this team, before David Johnson had kind of won it. And this is really when they were, you know, when that air attack was just absolutely vicious. They were just shredding everybody. And Larry Fitzgerald wasn't even the best receiver on the team. Nope, nope. And, you know, just kind of, I, I, I wondered, I said to myself, I was like, was it Chris Johnson catching the football in the backfield that kind of made the defensive respect a little bit? Mm-hmm. And you think about it, there's nothing different. David Johnson's probably better at it at this point. Yeah. It's just so dominant that there should be nothing different. It should translate to exactly the same thing. And when you look at that game, Floyd, Malcolm, Michael Floyd dropping passes. Yep. John Brown, not there. Larry Fitzgerald can only do so much. Yeah. I, I I really am, am mystified at what has changed at the in the passing game that they cannot get it together. I mean, the, one of the things I'll mention that I heard is that I think when they ran the numbers from last season, they started to realize that the, the pace and the numbers and the connections that they were making in the long passing game were so good, it was almost hard to replicate. And I think what yeah. we're seeing is we're seeing them kind of come back down to the average. It's like, all right, listen, last year... It's like you didn't just hit like half of your deep passes. You hit like 90% of them. And now you're starting to look more mortal again. And, you know, you're not connecting on every single long pass. And I think that's, 
I think that's catching up with them. The thing is, they're not really missing a beat because David Johnson is so friggin' good. He's so friggin' good. He, I mean, he's going to have to be the best at this point because they're looking awfully, awfully mortal. They're three and three. Yep. Oh, excuse me. One. Three, three, and one. And one. <laughs> so, Which you I, know they needed that win, man. They're going to have to be fighting the Seahawks did. for that division that championship. Big, yeah, that was a big. That was a big game to not win. I can't even say lose. To okay. Not win. I got to share with you the very end of this game, though. They go to overtime. They go all the way down the field, and the Cardinals kicker kicks a 29-yard field goal, and it clanks off the upright. Yes, I saw that. The Seahawks come all the way down the field, and and Hauschka just friggin' shanked shanked it, it, man. Just shanked it. Awful. Like a a 29-yard chip shot. They both missed chip shots. Just, that was the most exciting part of the game. And I I remember someone saying that, what time did that game in? Like 1 a.m. Eastern Standard Time? Correct. I remember people saying, like, I was like, man, I've... I've stayed up to watch this. I like. I'm officially, you know, officially in hell. I'm officially so, a football junkie who shouldn't have stayed up this late to watch this game. So I, I remember looking, going, "Man, this is three, three. And then finally, at the end of the night, where I looked, I was like, "This is still tied." I woke up in the morning and I looked, and I was like, "I can't believe this game ended six six. Dude, it was, it was, it it, it took energy to watch that game. There was a lot of punts. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I, I'm still amazed. Every time an NFL game ties, they got to get rid of that rule. Someone has to score before you go home. Yeah, it's just, no ties. I just, it's so disappointing to have a tie. Everyone's disappointed. Both teams are just disappointed. And the fans are disappointed. Everybody's disappointed. It's ridiculous. They need to get rid of it. I'm, I'm, you know what? You need to have a couple ties. You need to have some kind of some situation, some playoff situation or ramifications. Before they get rid of that stupid rule, I I agree with you, Shaka. Yes, um, I like that. We got to think up of something, something to send into the league office. Be like, excuse me, this is Shaka and Sam. You need to get rid of this tie thing. It's bullshit. Just trust me, I'm doing this to help you. You get Doctor Draft Pick if you tie. Um, <laughs> let's go to the uh, Monday Night Football. Houston Texans lose to the Denver Broncos. Um, oh man. Okay, my takeaway from this game is that Brock Osweiler is so poor as a quarterback right now that it is affecting his whole offense because DeAndre Hopkins was able to do more with four different quarterbacks last year than he has been able to do with Brock Osweiler this year. And I'm seriously pissed because I got DeAndre Hopkins on two of my key fantasy teams. What are some of your takeaways so far? I mean, how badly do the Texans miss Brian Hoyer right now? Oh, my God. How badly? I mean, not, not. I mean, he is the guy that threw four interceptions in the playoff game, so maybe they don't miss him that badly. Even then, at least they actually got the ball down the field. I looked at the one number. Uh, I think Oswala was averaging three point like four yards per pass. Oh god! He didn't, he didn't throw anything over fifteen yards. Nothing. I mean, John Gruden Nothing was commentating the game, just being like, "Hey, man, you got to throw it down y- downfield every once in a while." It's like you have the talent. You have two wide receivers who can burn down the field, and not even a a, a shot. Just, 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 just do something. Get a pass interference call. Anything, man. The funny thing, it just uh, you just think about how the seventy-two million, so much money. So, so they they have him again for uh, another three years, and it's just a question of how long is going to be before. I mean, or if he sinks up at all, 
with this offense. I mean, it feels like when they it feels like when Mike Tannenbaum gave Mark Sanchez that extension where it was just like, Really? Should we be giving him this extension? Oh my god, don't like, remind me. Like it felt bad as soon as it happened. Is this have, have things been that bad, or the, is it that bad of a quarterback situation out there that we need to throw this money <sighs> at an uncertain thing? I mean, it, listen, they they had balls. God bless them for taking a chance, but it's backfiring right now. I I mean, as a DeAndre Hopkins owner, I mean, I saw somebody bench DeAndre Hopkins who I played this week, and you know what? After the week was over, I looked at it and I was like, that wasn't a bad decision. He didn't do much. That's a great call, really. It's, it's a terrifying call, but it's also a great one. Yeah. In the sense that just, there's no confidence. There's a photo of no confidence. Just a shame because DeAndre Hopkins is a guy who was getting drafted like five overall, six overall. I mean, he's a beast. Yeah. I mean, look at the other side. Trevor Simeon was not amazing. No. But and he looked better than Osweiler. He looked competent. Yeah. He looked like he could actually, when he needed to, get the ball downfield yeah and you know the Texans defense is not terrible you know listen they Broncos were able to move the ball a little bit better against the Texans defense than they were against San Diego last week I can't even believe I'm saying that Um, (laughs) but you know CJ Anderson looked good Uh, you know like Trevor Simeon you nailed it man he's looking more competent he's looking more comfortable he's getting the ball to Emmanuel Sanders now he's getting the ball to Demarius Thomas you know first couple of weeks uh, I was on this show talking to you saying you know can he even throw the ball that much how confident can we be in Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders and now I mean he's a decent quarterback he's definitely I feel like they made a good call in Denver by giving the ball to Trevor Simeon than Mark Sanchez yeah, really. Uh, even well, Devontae Booker has also come out of nowhere. Yeah, he looked good last night too. Lifted. It's just a second wind on on the running game, which has been it's been hurting a little bit. C.J. Anderson finally uh, came back to to life against the Texans defense, but the the running game again they 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 just dominated time of possession to just to keep them in this. You but know. I, I, before we get away from Devontae Booker, I'm going to say anyone out there who's in a deep league, I'm saying like 12-team, 14-team, 16-team, if Devontae Booker is still on your waiver wire, go get him. He's officially a yeah. handcuff for C.J. Anderson. If anything, anything happens to C.J. Anderson, Devontae Booker is going to be a stud. So, you know, he's definitely someone worth handcuffing and stashing. It doesn't look like he's going away anytime soon. This is like, I think, the third game where he split carries with Anderson. That's great. I mean, that's really great for Booker's stock because, uh, you know, anybody out there struggling for a running back, he's a good guy to have in your hip pocket. So, look, man, he's made the best out of it so far, so credit to him. Um, Lamar Miller looked pretty good. Uh, Again, everything seems to be struggling because of Brock Osweiler. I think Lamar Miller's trying to make the most of what he's got going, but... uh, It's hard. It's it's really hard. hard. This, uh, This Texans offense is just, it's so anemic right now, it's hard to talk about. Um, any- I, um, I, I've got nothing, man. I, this, it's just, it all comes down to Brock Osweiler. Yeah. Whether or not he can actually figure, and they're letting him throw the football. He's going to figure 40 times. Yeah, I mean, it's the Brock Lobster, man. It's Listen, it sounds like they put too much butter on it. they got to send it back to the kitchen because it ain't tasting good. <laughs> uh, let's go to the London game. We had the New York Giants defeating the Los Angeles Rams in Twickenham Stadium. Uh, I did actually watch this game as I was making breakfast on Sunday morning. Um, this game was not fun to watch. Uh, no, it was a little messy. Most of the Rams games are not fun to watch. Uh, both offenses looked fairly uh, inept. Um, the Rams actually were kind of in control of the game 
until Case Keenum threw his first interception, which was a great play by Landon Collins. It was a pick six. Amazing. And, I mean, that, that was, was I mean, I thought he got tackled three times before he actually got into the end zone. Um, that was one of the high points of the Giants, uh, of the Giants sort of uh, game. You know, the passing game wasn't particularly exciting. Eli Manning didn't throw right. 200 yards. Um, Odell Beckham had, you know, only a couple of nice catches. Uh, you know, Rashad Jennings had like a short red zone touchdown. But then, you know, at the end of the game, you see Case Keenum. Listen, he was fine until the end of the game when he threw like two or three interceptions in the fourth quarter. The last one, I don't know. Did you see his last interception? Yeah, that, this was like a miscommunication. It was a it was... straight up miscommunication where Case Keenum just lobbed it to the defensive player in the end zone. I mean, that was painful. Yeah, I... I, I, Keenum's actually had a pretty decent season in terms of throwing. He the has. Football, I think. I think just, he gets a lot of shit, but he's actually he hasn't been that bad. There's other quarterbacks I could talk about who have been worse than Case Keenum. Absolutely, I, but he to his credit, he's got Brian Quick, he's got Tavon Austin, he's got got uh, Kenny Britt. The other guy. Kenny Britt. Kenny Britt. That's his, that's his trio. That's his wide receiver core. Tavon so, Austin actually looked pretty good in this game. Like he showed up yeah, and had he, some nice plays. It looks like they're trying to actually, hey, what can we do with this guy in the office? They're actually trying to find ways to put him into situations to to do something. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's maybe the only positive they can take from this. But Keenum, this one's solely on Keenum because they were actually in this game and they still had a chance twice in the fourth quarter, I think, before Keenum kind of uh, just handed it over literally to the Giants. Do you think Todd Gurley is going to have a 100-yard game this season? At some point, somebody's got to give one up. He can't go. He can't go sub one hundred the whole season. There's got to be one. How close do you feel to benching Todd Gurley in any of the upcoming games? You feel me? Like, I mean, if you're a Todd Gurley owner, are you panicking? Because I'm, I'm starting to feel pretty uncomfortable. I don't have Gurley in any of my, um, any of my leagues. I got him on. I, I got him on one of my teams. I've got one team which is 06-1. I cannot make this oh, up. It is, it is, I'm <laughs> determined to win on this team, and my two marquee stars are Andrew Luck and Todd Gurley. Oh, no. Uh, I think i got to look at the strength of schedule just to see who they play. Someone. Someone. I mean, if it wasn't the 49ers, which is, I think they played the first week. Yeah, they, 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 they lost to the 49ers in the first week. The 49ers would have been my biggest, you know, my best guess at that 100 and they did not do that so it's it's going to be a long a long eight games to, to get to that good luck um any uh, last thing is uh, the giants these running backs rashad jennings came back got a red zone touchdown but i mean are you buying any of that that's another question are we going to see any giants running backs get 400 yards you know what for the rest of the season <laughs> that's an even better question i, I think i'm still going to lean girly first before the giants running back core i would i would agree with you there i don't have any faith in that giants running back core. <laughs> um both these teams go into a bye this week which is great because that means we don't have to talk about them next week i don't think either of them are exciting <laughs> they're very stale yeah yeah they are um let's move on to the next game we're almost done we got two more games on the docket Cleveland Browns lose to the Cincinnati Bengals, and not only do they lose, but they lose another quarterback as Kobe Kessler gets hurt, 
And it's who, mind-boggling. Who the hell is the guy who came in? Hogan or something? Kevin Hogan. I think his name was Kevin Hogan. He actually had 100 yards rushing. I, I got to double-check that. I might be making that up. But I Kevin, think he had 100 yards rushing. Kevin Hogan had a, a hun- seven carries, 104 yards rushing, a touchdown, and he also passed for 100 yards and two interceptions. Yes, he ran for more yards than he threw. So, <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Where, where's Charlie Whitehurst? I thought he was driving any vehicle to its limit. Where did he go? What is going on? Is he hurt? Is Charlie Whitehurst hurt, or are they just going through quarterbacks just for shits and giggles I think at this he got, point? He got hurt a couple games ago. He was hurt, and he came out. He came in, and he was hurt like almost immediately, but I don't know what the injury was. I don't remember. It was so quick. Dude, I yeah, Charlie Whitehurst is hurt. This is amazing. I've I, listen. I've been watching football for a long time. I don't know if I've really seen something like this. I don't. It's never happened. At least not that I remember. It's I just hope quarterbacks. I just hope to God this does not reflect poorly on Hugh Jackson's coaching because I think he's doing the best he can with a not an unfortunate situation, a fucking atrocious situation at the quarterback position. This is embarrassing. I mean... This is unheard of, and, really. And I don't really know if you can point the finger at any one person. I mean, I mean, listen, sometimes guys get hurt, and it's just amazing that this many quarterbacks has gotten hurt on a single team. Look, if you back to get fired at the end of this season, the, the, the Browns organization deserves to just be... There should just be a curse placed on them. I mean, yeah, I, I think there already is a curse placed on them. I think that after this season, if they if they fire Hugh Jackson, you need to cut off someone's toes or something. I think the bottom line is just there's just so many young pieces on this team, and injuries aside, they're just they they might go winless. They're, yeah, it's looking it's looking. <sighs> you got no quarterback. I mean, we, I feel terrible saying that, but I think you're right. I mean, we we are talking about a possibly winless team. They're zero and seven. Uh, you know, this is the practice squad at this point. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, listen, if they don't beat the Jets, and no offense to your Jets, but that's a team that they could they could sneak up on. They've they've snuck up on a couple of teams. They nearly beat the Titans. They nearly beat the Dolphins. Like they have been competitive. They have been competitive. They've this been year, competitive, but it's like if they can't squeak out a win against a team like the Dolphins or the Jets, or you know, I mean. This could be 0-16. Kind of on their heels. Yeah, there's no chance. If you can't do that, then it's it's not happening. Um, Bengals, Jeremy Hill looked great. Uh, Giovanni Bernard also looked good. They clearly ran all over the Browns. Um, Andy Dalton looked good. This, this is kind of like the, the exemption. Like, this is where, all right, well, finally, but we're, I think we're going to come back down to earth next week. You mm-hmm. guys are going to be... Your usual self, disappointing self. Yeah, this is this is the Bengals doing what they should be doing against good teams, but instead they're only able to do it against mediocre to bad teams, which is I, I think we saw. I just keep looking at that number. Jeremy Hill, nine carries for 168 yards. Yeah, just, he's not going to do that again. It's, it's uh, almost like, is it April Fool's? That's not football <laughs> season. You're like, I don't believe you. Uh, it's unbelievable. Tyler Eifert came back in this game. He was a bit of a non-factor, but he did come back, and you know we we saw Tyler Eifert's first action in a while since last season. Um, I kind of want to see a little bit more. I want to see him his snap count go up and see exactly if he starts to become a, a threat in the red zone before I would say put him as a stash on your tight end watch list. Um, right, but look, man, any any kind of offensive or like help at receiver that you can give Andy Dalton the better because he. He needs it. He needs it. I mean, aside from A.J. Green, there's not much out there. Brandon LaFell, again, he kind of flies under the radar. He had a big catch, and I mean, that was really, 
he caught the ball, the defender fell, and he ran it in from 44 yards out. But they, it, he's just not, it, he's not Marvin Jones. No, no. The number two, in terms of a number two. He, no. So, I mean, listen, I, if anybody I, knows it, Tom Brady does. He was on the Patriots for a couple of years, and I think they got frustrated with him. Yeah, he did nothing. He did absolutely, He's actually done more with the Bengals, I think, than he did with the Patriots. Uh, that's not saying much. No, it's not. Uh, I will say for the Browns, Gary Barnage. Gary Barnage has been fairly productive. Still hasn't found the end zone. Um, I think that's more because of the quarterback rotating, you know, musical chair situation more than Gary Barnage. Yeah, he's, he's right. Been... It's just what, how do you decide to play him as, with all the quarterbacks? This question, like, I don't even know who this guy is. Like, he's even going to look Barnage's way. I mean, the one positive but... thing is that I think. Gary Barnage is becoming the safety blanket for any quarterback out there, and all these quarterbacks are going to want to check down to a tight end at some point. And That's fair. I mean, I'm looking at these stats from this past Bengals-Browns game, and Gary Barnage was the receiver who got the most action. I mean, there wasn't much to the passing game, period, but Gary Barnage had seven targets, six catches, 66 yards. That was the most anybody. For a tight end, that's not bad. For a tight end, that's great. Yeah, like, I that's kind of am sitting here saying... You know, listen... You made out pretty okay if you tight end put up those numbers. Yeah, like Gary Barnage is worth a nice stash if you're kind of struggling for a tight end. Like, if you had Hunter Henry and you got to drop him, I would say Gary Barnage is someone worth taking a look at. That's fair. Um, uh, I'll go with that. I'll agree with that assessment. Uh, you want to get away from this game? Yeah, I think we're done with this one. Last game on the docket from Week 7... Tampa Bay Buccaneers putting a whooping on the San Francisco 49ers. Shaka, I the one thing I want to say is is Jaquiz Rogers for the Buccaneers. Looking great. Might not be a fluke. Might not be a fluke at all. Doug Martin, apparently he had a setback with his recovery. He's going to be out a little longer than they expected. My shitty team with no running backs. I started Jaquiz Rogers on the team. He was one of the bright, you know, bright spots for that team. Uh, Mike Evans is on friggin' animal. Uh, Vincent Jackson, I think it looks like he's done for the year at this point. Um, oh, right, right. Yeah, so now Mike Evans is just going to get even more looks. I mean, he's I like already, this. He's, I think I said it right. He's, he's target monster. He's going to set the, I think he might be setting the record for most targets of the season. Dude, he's, and it's not going to stop. Jameis Winston's looking his way all the time. I I love what I see from him. I mean, Jaquiz, I think Jaquiz is, you got to you got to go get this guy until anybody takes the job from him. He had 26 carries, 154 rushing yards. I mean, hey-oh. He's not super speedy, but he, you know, he makes good cuts, and he's got good vision, which is big. I mean, he runs right through the holes and gives himself plenty of, you know, open field to run. So he's definitely worth a look. Okay. Uh, the, the Peyton Barber, this backup who came in because the game was just, they were just running it out. He had a 44-yard rushing touchdown. I don't. I'm not. I'm not buying any of that. I think. I still think Jaquiz is the guy to have. But um, yeah, I think. I think the team likes uh, Rogers. I think probably they had to give him a spell though because I think his first first game he had 30 carries and you know they, I think they're okay kind of putting that that workhorse tag on him. No, absolutely. And at least you know there's no real no real return of Doug Martin anytime soon, so I think they're happy to ride him as long as they can, especially because it might not be for a full season. They might be riding Jaquiz for like three or four games, and, you right. know. And then that's over. And listen, this is the first time he's been featured. This is a guy who's been in the league for about five or six years. He was on the Falcons behind Michael Turner for a while. You know, he was that's on the right. Bears last year. Like, this is a great opportunity for Jaquiz Rogers to really shine, and God bless him, man. 
I'm sure he's, uh, he's enjoying that right now. Now, the Niners, I... Dude, if... Okay. What what is what is more toxic than radioactive? Because we've been talking about the Jaguars and the Bears are radioactive. The Niners are even worse. They're like they're like a fungus or a bacteria that like eats your skin or something. It's not like you can just get radioactive sickness or something. You can actually like get contagious and spread like a friggin' epidemic across the country with whatever the hell is on the Niners. I don't really have much to take away from this game except to say the Colin Kaepernick still has some some signs of life, yeah. and he might be a third string backup somewhere next year. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I think Kaepernick is definitely one of the shining spots on this team. I mean, Shaka, I can't make this up. I'm looking at the stats: nine carries for Kaepernick. Dewan Harris had eleven carries. Mike Davis had seven carries. Sean Drone had one. The the most. The, the leading receiver was Sean Drone with five catches for 37 yards. I mean, this is abysmal. It is, yeah, it's just, who's, who's fucking calling the plays? I don't want to, I don't want to touch any of these guys. Colin Kaepernick had a turnover. I mean, I don't know who the hell's calling these plays. Here's, here's a real question for you. I think it's clear there's no fantasy players on this team we would recommend. My question for you, does Chip Kelly get fired at the end of the season? Oh, that's a tough call. Man, you're putting me in a spot there. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't imagine they would. He, it, it's almost he's inherited this quarterback situation, and I, I imagine they're probably going to want to give him one season with kind of a, not a clear slate, but a, a you know, something more attuned to what he has envisioned for quarterback position. Because you've got what? And uh, Blaine Gabbert and... Or, yeah. yeah, it was Blaine Gabbert and Colin Kaepernick. That's what he's been and working Colin with. Colin Kaepernick. It, like, that's your options, A or B, and they're both shit. So I, I can't imagine this is the sample size of Chip Kelly that you know they envisioned. He's not a magician. He he still needs like good working parts. Okay. And these are not it. All right, all right. So you're you're gonna give Chip Kelly a pass for this year? See if he can do it's something a little bit tough. more. It depends on how much bad how how bad of a beatdown they take for the rest of the year. If they still look competitive and. He can maybe pull out a few games, he might stay. Okay. But if they're just getting pounded week after week after week, it's not looking good. Okay, okay. Um, anything else to take away from this game? I, I can't watch any 49ers games this year, that's for sure. I, okay. I can't do it. I, I completely it. agree with you. I am not looking forward to watching them at all whenever they come on TV. Um, I watched them once already, and that was one too many for me. It was um, a mistake. Now... We have to do our picks for Week 8. Shaka, I'm going to start you off. Let's hit you off with the first game we got on the docket for Week 8. If I can pull up my thing here. Hang on a second. Let me pull up Week 8 on my thing. All right. Thursday night football. Jacksonville Jaguars playing the Tennessee Titans in Tennessee. Why is this game even on TV? Shaka, who you got? (laughs) This is going to be an ugly one, and you know what? For all for all intents and purposes, I, I kind of have to go with Tennessee in this one, just because Jacksonville they can't even buy a fucking clue about you know how to run an offense at this point. Uh, Allen Robinson, you know, I don't really know you, but I kind of miss you. <laughs> it, it, Come home, baby. Sure, Come home. I miss you. And if and if I who have who has zero attachment to you can miss you this much, I'm sure. Your offensive, uh, your offensive uh, teammates miss you as well. 
So I I got zero confidence. And the defense, there's nothing going on. Mariota's going to have a pretty good game. He's, he's been playing pretty well. Yeah. And, of course, he knows that Marco Murray is going to have a friggin' field day yeah. against that defense. So I, I got to go Titans with this one easily. I'm going to agree with you as well. I think the Titans are going to bounce back. They've just got more playmakers who are able to make plays than Jacksonville. Really? I mean... Allen Robinson's fallen off the map. Blake Bortles can't make it happen. I think there's still going to be divisional tenacity. There's still going to it's going to be a fight, drag out, claw match. You know, knockdown, drag out fight. That's what I'm looking for. Um, just because it's divisional, and I think you know those team, those AFC South teams are able to get the most out of each other. But I got to go with the home team, the Titans. Murray, uh, Demarco Murray is really what hit it. It's like when you talk about Demarco Murray, like I think he might have 150 yards rushing and two rushing touchdowns. I, I, I wouldn't put it past two touchdowns easily. So I think uh, I got to I got to lean towards the Titans as well. Um, London, we're going back to London. Washington Redskins playing the Cincinnati Bengals in London, Wembley Stadium. Shaka, who you got? This one I kind of was looking at. I don't like any of the, the London games, by the way. They just feel like a mesh, and I yeah. think the players are a little bit disoriented, too. It just always looks like, you know, they they were kidnapped, blindfolded. Yeah, they look out of sorts. Bus. Yeah, like they were just taken on this bus down a rocky road and just dumped outside the stadium. All right, boys, you're playing. And now at gunpoint, it's like, play football for us. So it's just, I mean, like, next week we might be talking about some janky numbers where, you know, Jeremy Hill has you know, nine carries for 14 yards and three touchdowns. You know, mm-hmm. just some craziness going on out there. But even then, I I, I got to go with the Cincinnati Bengals on this one just because the Redskins, I, I, I sometimes I, I, I worry. I, I don't know how they're going to handle that Cincinnati defense, which is still pretty good. Mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins every now and then lays a goose egg of a game, and I think he's passed due for one. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm leaning more on Andy Dalton. Got a couple more offensive weapons, like you said. Tyler Eifert's back. Um, hopefully, Hill and Bernard can kind of reproduce. They can build on this. You know, hey guys, we can actually run the football. We still got it. You know, and and put something to that Redskins defense. I uh, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to pick the Bengals as well because I think you're right. I think Kirk Cousins is up for another clunker. We haven't seen it. Um, I, I don't like that Redskins defense. And I think that A.J. Green and Andy Dalton will, will be able to pick them apart. And I think you'll also see some of that run game hurt them as well. I think we're going to see the Redskins be able to move the ball because the Bengals' defense has not been as good this season either. But, I mean, you know, I'm going to go with the playmakers for the Bengals. You know, Andy Dalton, Jeremy Hill, Giovanni Bernard. Like, I can feel A.J. Green. I can just see him, you know, shaking a tackle in the secondary and just ripping off. You know, like, I feel like he and Josh Norman are going to go head-to-head and A.J. Green's going to win that battle. You know what I mean? That's probably going to be the most fun part of this entire thing to watch. Yeah. That's about it. But that's about it. But I, you know, I just, I got to lean towards the Bengals on this one. I just think they have more talent, and I, I don't feel confident enough about that Redskins defense. No way. Uh, coming back to America, 12, um, 1 o'clock game, 12 o'clock here in Texas. Kansas City Chiefs go on the road to play the Indianapolis Colts at home in Indianapolis. Shaka, who you got? Well, I you know, I got to root for Andrew Luck, but realistically speaking, this is, this you can kind of envision as this past week's game where, you know, the Saints 
took on this uh, Chiefs defense and just as valiantly as uh, Drew Brees could play, it just was not enough. Now, you take that same kind of ideal and you put that with an Andrew Luck with even less of a wide receiver core talent. Mm -hmm. T.Y. Hilton's only one man. Mm -hmm. And I think Phil Dorsett's injured. Uh, Jack Doyle, eight. Like, Moncrief is maybe coming back, but he's starting to practice. I don't think he's going to play in this game, though. They just don't have the firepower that they need to really kind of put the shakes to this Chiefs defense at all. And Alex Smith doesn't really have to do much, like you said. You throw it to you throw it to Stephen Ware and you let him just kind of rumble through a god-awful defense. Yeah. Even Jamal Charles might come in and light them up. I would not be surprised. <laughs> so I, I'm going to have to go to Chiefs coming in here and taking their manhood away. I, uh, I'm going to agree with you. I'm picking the Chiefs as well. For everything you said, man, they got a much better defense. And, uh, you know, as conservative as that offense is for Kansas City, they're going to be able to move the ball in this atrocious Colts defense. And, you know, the mad Andrew Luck has got magic, but he usually has it against terrible AFC South teams. And yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's going to have that same magic against, you know, D Ford and Tamba Ali and, you know, Marcus Peters. I mean, this Chiefs team is going to chew him up and spit him out. I think it'll be close. Because I think they will find a way to at least move the ball, but I gotta, I gotta give, uh, I gotta give the Chiefs the benefit of the doubt. Uh, next up, Super Bowl rematch: Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home against the Oakland Raiders. Super Bowl rematch from you know 15 years ago. I think it was my freshman year of college. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. That was when John Gruden switched teams <laughs> and proceeded to win the Super Bowl with the other team. That was fun. This is where John um, Gruden's like, I know that entire team, and he like. Like, I remember hearing stories about, uh, fuck, it was um, Warren Warren Sapp was talking about how they ran practices before the Super Bowl, and John Gruden literally knew all of the plays that the Raiders ran. Man, that's like, crazy. Like, he's like, he was like, dude, we were practicing the plays, and then in the Super Bowl, they were the exact plays. That is friggin' embarrassing. I, I got I still remember the quarterback. It was Rich Gannon, I think. It was Rich Gannon, one of his last rides, man. Holy crap. Um, the tougher one will well, be, who was the quarterback for the Buccaneers? <laughs> oh, that was, uh, he was Brad Johnson? That's right, Brad Johnson. Brad Johnson. Throwing um, balls to Keyshawn Johnson. and Oh, gosh, that, that offense was just not that amazing. Oh, but still, it was enough. Dude, it was John Lynch and Simeon Rice and Warren Sapp. That's what it was all about. Oh, man, that takes me back. God, yeah. I, I, I do remember something from freshman year of college. Oh, those were the days. <laughs> those were the days. Um, uh, well, but this year, the Raiders, those days are those days are long behind us. Well, long behind and, us now that we're talking about two offenses and not two defenses. And uh, the Raiders have another good quarterback in uh, Derek Carr, mm-hmm. who is not gonna. He's not. I, I just can't see the Oakland Raiders. Well, actually, I take that back. The Oakland Raiders defense still, still not that good. Still not that good. So, um, that being said. They got their pieces together. We get they have their running. They got Latavius Murray back, and that uh, that Tampa Bay defense is not that good. So I expect actually Latavius Murray to have a big game. Okay, okay. Um, I'm, I'm that's going to kind of be my like one surprising factor for this one. But I like Oakland, man. I like that offense. It's humming. They, you know, they've got so many just big weapons that they yeah. can hurt you with. And Derek Carr is a really, really, really good quarterback. So I got to go Oakland, man, on a Tampa Bay team that's competitive, but they're just, they're just not that good. 
No, I'm, I'm with you, dude. I'm picking the Raiders as well. I think Tampa Bay has got a lot of promise. I think they're they're coming back around. You know, they had a couple of clunkers early on in the season, but there's some talent there that can't be denied. However, Raiders offense is really talented. I think this is going to be a shootout. Um, I think, you know, you nailed it. Latavius Murray, I think, is going to run all over the place. I think Michael Crabtree is going to have maybe a fade or two in the end zone. Um, I think this will, this is going to be a shootout. Definitely a shootout, and I think the Raiders are going to come out on top. It's like whoever has the ball last, and i got to go with the Raiders. They've just been too hot. Um, okay, I like the shootout aspect. I, that's probably a good call because the Tampa Bay offense is pretty good too, Mike Evans. Yeah, because I think, you know, Jameis Winston, listen, when you give him a chance to throw the ball, he can get pretty dangerous in the air, and this Raiders yeah. team is a team that has been known to let a few touchdowns up. So I think, I, I think it'll be exciting to watch. Um, next up... The Seattle Seahawks go on the road to play the New Orleans Saints in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Shaka, who you got? This is one of those sneaky games, you know. This is totally a sneaky game. You expect Seattle to come in there and the defense is just supposed to do their thing. But, you know, Drew Brees is a fighter. Drew Brees Brees at home in the Dome, man. Doesn't take it. And they're really good in the Dome. They're really good in the Dome. So, uh, you know... Uh, again, this one is I. I'm gonna go Seahawks in this one, but don't be surprised if next week we're talking about how Drew Brees comes in and handles his business and throws for like 400 yards <laughs> and barely wins and barely wins. I, you know, so uh, I'm not, I, I want to say this is gonna be a shootout, but I'm saying I'm gonna say this is uh, the 20s. It's gonna be like you know 27 to 30, but I gotta go Seahawks over. Of terrible defense in the Saints. Okay, I'm uh, I'm going to also agree with you. I'm going to pick the Seahawks as well. I think this will be a close game. I agree. I think that Drew Brees is going to get his. He's going to be. He is so good at home. Uh, the Seahawks have an amazing defense, but I still think Drew Brees will find ways to move the ball. Um, but it's it's going to be like there's going to be field goals, and then you couple that with the fact that the Seahawks have had a really anemic offense. But then they're yeah. playing against this soft Saints D. I think they're going to find ways to move the ball, too. I think this will actually, you know, I think, did you say this might be a shootout? I, I, you know what? I, I, I want to say 27-30 is my my. Yeah, because I think, I think it might be a little bit more scoring than people are giving this game credit for. I think that, uh, I think the Seahawks, like, I think it's going to come down to, like, a fourth quarter Hail Mary pass by Drew Brees where Richard Sherman bats it to the ground, and that's the decision maker for the game. Exactly. Um, I will say this. Mm-hmm. Look for like the, the the Seahawks to try to get the running game going against them. Okay, okay. Defense. Good call, good call. Um, I'm agreeing with you there. I'm picking the Seahawks. Next up, Detroit Lions go on the road against the Houston Texans. Shaka, who you got? Matt Staff has been playing really good. Yes, uh, he has, man. MVP candidate. On the other side of the aisle, Osweiler has been playing not so good. Not, not so, so good. good. Houston Texans, it, however, are four and zero at home. That's the one thing, and the defense is not bad either. So it's going to be a big question of how well that uh, that Houston defense can kind of contain Matthew Stafford and his just. I won't say big bad trio, even though I like Anquan Bolden. Mm-hmm. But he's he's got two studs, and he's got a vet, a sneaky vet who can kind of get them a uh, big touchdown in big situations. I, you know what? I like the Lions, man. I'm feeling a little bit on the wild side. I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to go for the Lions, taking one from the Texans at home. You it's know, dangerous. I actually, 
I was just looking at this game right now, Shock. I'm thinking about it as well because, you know, I, I don't think a lot about these picks before we go into this. I like to look at it and just kind of feel it out. I'm going to go with the Lions as well. I think Texans, if anything, they're going to perform well at home. The Lions are a team that I think they can defeat. Um, but all of that being said, the Lions look good. Their running game is anemic, but their passing game looks great. And, you know, the front seven, I think, for Houston is where they make all of their trouble and where they right. make most of their noise. And I think the passing game is going to be where Matthew Stafford can hurt them, and I think that's where he will hurt them. And I think yeah. this is going to be a game against the Eagles again where they kind of the Lions put up an early lead, and then I think the Texans are going to kind of be challenged to move the ball and and you know sort of keep pace with them. And I think Brock Osweiler is going to struggle to move the ball, and I think the Lions' defense is going to kind of – poke enough holes in their offense to slow them down. And I'm agreeing with you, man. I think the Lions are going to steal one from the Texans. It's going to be tight, though. I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's really just it comes down to the point of Stafford just trying to put some points up early and just daring them to, hey, guys, keep up. Like, even though I know your offense isn't that good, you got to try and keep up. Yeah, this is so. uh, this. I think that'll actually be one of the more entertaining Houston Texans games that'll be on TV. Um, check that one out. Yeah, definitely. I, I will certainly get it down here in Texas. I can assure you of that. Um, next up on the docket, your New York Jets going on the road to play the Cleveland Browns and probably Kevin Hogan at starting quarterback. Shaka, who you got? Man, oh man. This this, this is a gimme at this point. I mean, or well, at least you'd think so, right? You'd think this, so. This, this, this Jets season's been a goddamn roller coaster, which pretty much sums up my entire fanhood of being a Jets fan. It's a goddamn roller coaster. <laughs> so I'm obviously going to Jets in this one just because the Browns are a terrible team mm-hmm. with six quarterbacks, even though the Jets at this point have a, a, a pissed-off starting quarterback. Uh, who is still the starter, though? Who's still the starter. Who has regained the starter, basically because they don't have a friggin' choice. Um, but I, I look for Matt Forte to have a huge game. I... Jets, if they stick to the fundamentals, run the football, to dominate the time of possession, gas that terrible Browns defense, and just, just cut them up, they should be just fine. And let's not find out how good Chris Hogan is if he is good at all okay. against the Jets defense. Okay. So, Jets for sure. So you're going with the Jets. I am going to also go with the Jets as well. Just listen, I do think this is one of the few opportunities that I think the Browns have to sneak out a victory. Gonna be, I'm just going to put it out there. Yep. Might be one of those head scratches. But even with the Jets' problems at quarterback, even with the issues they've had on defense, they're just, like you said it, the Browns are a practice squad team, the Jets are a real team. Okay, they've got Brandon Marshall, they've got Matt Forte, they've got Ryan Fitzpatrick, they've got Darrell Revis, they've got talented, legitimate football players out there who are going to put together 60 minutes, and I think it'll be enough to pull out a victory. Even with all the mistakes, I still got to go with the Jets. Easily. Somebody. Somebody set the ton. Next up, the New England Patriots go on the road against Rex Ryan and the Buffalo Bills. Shaka, who you got? Okay, this one's an easy one. I, I, I know the Bills have beaten the Patriots already this year. Shut them out. But that was an aberration, obviously. I agree. And Tom Brady, I can guarantee you, has already looked at the tapes just to see what that secondary is all about. And he's pretty much dissected what their uh, flaws are. Now, I factor in that LaShawn McCoy is probably not going to play, 
and Tyrod Taylor is going to have to pretty much put this on his back without his starting running back and starting wide receiver. Yeah, I don't like the sound of that at all. Against even the not great Patriots defense, but you've basically got to put up the same amount of points as Tom Brady does. It's no brainer. This is the Patriots for sure. Yeah, I'm picking the Patriots as well. I don't even. I don't have anything to say. I mean, Tom Brady's back. Yeah. LeSean McCoy's yeah. not. I mean, even though it's in Buffalo, I mean, I think Bill Belichick and that Patriots team is going to. I mean, they're going to rip apart that Bills defense and that Bills secondary like a rabid wolf ripping apart a wolf, like <laughs> or a rabid wolf ripping apart a rabbit. Like it's just like I mean. It's going to get ugly. I th- I think it might be like a 41-7 to game. They might run the score for them. It's possible. Like, I mean, Gronk has been talking a lot of shit since Brady's been back. Dude, well. it would not surprise me with the Patriots, man. We've seen them do that before where all of a sudden they're up by 30 points and Tom Brady's throwing his fourth touchdown to Gronk. Yeah, just look for it. All right, so we're both picking the Patriots. That was an easy one. Next up, the Arizona Cardinals on the road against the Carolina Panthers. Shaka, who you got? I, I, my nose just wrinkled. It was like a strange feeling when you said the Carolina Panthers. Because, I, well, they're coming off the bye. They're coming off the bye. They're at home. And I, I just know they're probably, they've been chomping at the bit because they're getting asses kicked by everybody. And the Arizona Cardinals should be kicking everybody's asses. But lo and behold, I just don't know what's going on with that offense, man. We talked about it, but... Still, that Panthers defense is shite. Yeah. And uh, let's not forget David Johnson is not shite. David Johnson is really good. Really so he's good. He's going to gash them. Really so good. All, the, only, the only certainty in this game is that David Johnson is going to have his way with that Panthers defense. Even with the front seven just trying to push. And hopefully, if they do, we can hope that Carson Palmer can kind of try and get some of his mojo back and get a receiver who can catch a football in a much-needed situation. I'm going to go Arizona slightly over Carolina. Slightly. All right. I'm going to agree with you. I'm picking the Cardinals over the Panthers as well. I've said this on other podcasts before with you, Shaka, and I'm going to say it again. Panthers suck. Um, (laughs) I think it's pretty apparent. I think I've said it once or twice. Uh, They're not a good team. I think they are not a good football team. You know, I know they were the Super Bowl and everything, but I'm pretty sure they suck right now. Um, their defense has been bad. Uh, I think this will be the perfect opportunity for Carson Palmer and the Cardinals to kind of jumpstart that passing game. But you named it. You you nailed it. Like, David Johnson, he's going to run all over this Panther team. I don't care what Cam Newton's doing. I don't care what Jonathan Stewart's doing. I don't care what Kelvin Benjamin's doing. It's not going to stop the Cardinals, I think, from, from putting up a lot of points. I don't think this is going to be close. I think the Cardinals are going to bounce right back and beat up the Panthers because I really think that's how far the Panthers have fallen. All right. That's, that's, that's fair. You well, know, they, Shaka's like, good. whoa, okay, geez, I'm sorry. No, I mean, I, just in the terms <laughs> that it's not even going to be close. I, you know what? Is this because Cam is such a competitive guy? I feel like this the sheer force of will. He's going to try and keep this thing close, but... Who knows? I mean, if you got no one to throw to, and that defensive front seven's keeping you, keeping you in your place, you're right. This might be no contest. Yeah, it's. I'm. I'm going to be very curious to see how things shake out with the Panthers over the course of the year. I, I really want to see what happens here. Um, you and me both. But uh, I'm definitely not picking them in this game. Next up, divisional San Diego Chargers go on the road against the Denver Broncos. They played them a couple oh. of weeks ago. Now they're back again for more. Um, Shaka, now that they're in Denver, who you got winning this game? 
I think Denver is not going to let themselves get embarrassed the second time. But yeah, but man, I love Philip Rivers. I, I do. I just like Philip Rivers. He, the only problem with this is one: Denver's at home. Denver's Denver's not taking any white shit at home. No, they aren't. No, they aren't. A team like the San Diego Chargers, who one have no business being as good as their record indicates, and two, I, Trevor Simeon's playing a lot better. Now, San Diego defense is playing a little bit better, too. But this is, this is actually going to be a good game. This, this, this game. should be a really good game. I, I, I'm, I'm, like, I'm, I'm talking slow right now, guys. I'm trying to envision the possibilities. I'm kind of going through the motions. Of well, here. here. You, want me, you want me to take over this pick first while you think about this one? No, I, no I'm, I'm saying Broncos, but yeah, please, go ahead. Okay, okay. So you're picking the Broncos. I feel you. Um. I'm feeling the same thing, too, because, listen, I was just as shocked as anybody when the Chargers stole that game from the Broncos a couple weeks ago. Um, You know, I think we were pretty surprised to see how effective the Chargers defense was, especially because the talk of the town has been the Broncos defense. Um, But I'm going to agree with you, man. I'm going to pick the Broncos at home. It's hard to deal with Denver at home. This is a divisional matchup. Anything goes, but the Chargers already stole that game. Like, there's, there's a lot of tape for the Broncos to be looking at. And, you know, Von Miller is going to go surgical on their ass, man. He's going to sit there and they're going to make Philip Rivers life a living hell on Sunday afternoon. And even though Philip Rivers can pull magic out of his ass, I don't know if he's going to be able to have enough magic to put enough points on the board for them to win. And at the same time, I don't know if the Joey Bosa defense, like I kind of feel like Gary Kubiak is going to prep Trevor Simeon and CJ Anderson enough for them to get enough points to win this game. Like, unlike the Panthers-Cardinals, which I think will be a blowout, I think this one's going to be really close. All right. Yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Silver was to pull magic out, but you can't do it at a mile high. It's just it's, not happening. You know, it's like he already did it once. It's going to be tough for him to kind of steal another one in mile high. So I, I got to go with the Broncos. Yeah, man. All right. Next up, Green Bay Packers go on the road against the Atlanta Falcons in the Atlanta Dome. Shaka, who you got? Raised eyebrows. I. This could be a good quarterback showdown. This is a good old fashioned gunslinging. This is this is gonna be fun. This yeah, this is uh this is like high noon. I, I like this. I like this matchup. I like um, it too. I have no idea who's gonna win this game. I also like Atlanta at home. Yeah, you're right. This is this can go either way. This one. Mm-hmm. Um. And granted, I think, I want to say Aaron Rodgers edges him in firepower in terms of just who he has. Kevin Coleman's not playing. Correct. Devonta Freeman, Devonta Freeman should have plenty of opportunities to get at that um, Green Bay defense, which is okay. It's not amazing. It's beatable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is really going to come down to who can throw it the most in the air. And Matt Ryan, obviously, is showing that he loves to throw to Julio <sighs> in any situation, and he's been pretty much unstoppable. Yeah. So I got to go to Atlanta at home, man, in a close one. Wow. Okay. Wow. I, dude, I'm I'm in agreement with you. I was I thought you were leaning towards the Packers. I'm picking the Falcons as well. I I'm I just think the Falcons have turned a corner this season even with their poor losses. They still are really really dangerous. You know, we saw them nearly beat the Seahawks. We saw them beat the Broncos. You know, it was a little rough to see them lose that game to the Chargers, but they are clicking in a way that the Packers are not. And right. I think that the Packers have, you know, they, they listen, they got their swagger back last week because they played a terrible team like the Bears. And I think that when they're playing a, a defense like the Falcons, which has been up and down, 
But I think the Falcons' defense has a way to kind of get underneath the skin of the quarterback. Um, you know, they're able to kind of get a good pass rush going. Uh, like, I think that the the inconsistencies of the Packers' offense is going to kind of come out, and we're going to see some of it, and the Falcons are going to take advantage of it. And I think the Falcons are going to do enough on offense and and again, they're at home in the dome. You know, that's where yeah. they like to thrive. That's where they play better. And, you know, this is like a home team situation. I think the Falcons are going to come out on top just because they got that crowd. And, you know, that third down pass that Matt Ryan needs to make to Julio Jones is going to work for them. Whereas that third down pass to Randall Cobb or Jordy Nelson might not work for Aaron Rodgers. So I got to go with the Falcons. Right. Okay. Now, we got two more games. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna leave my exciting pick uh, for the last game of the night. Let's go to Monday Night Football, Halloween night. Minnesota Vikings go on the road against the Chicago Bears. Shaka, who you got? Well, Jake Kelly is coming back, just so you can throw three interceptions against that Minnesota defense. Unfortunately, <laughs> so it's going to be scary for somebody on Monday night. Um, <laughs> this I, that Bears defense is also terrible, so I look to maybe uh, Minnesota kind of tempering and trying to get something going with the running game. I, I, I don't know if McKinnon's going to be able to pull it off, but they've got to try. They need a running game to kind of temper things because the offense just is not that good. Still, I think it's going to be enough to put Chicago in their place, and Jay Cutler's, Jay Cutler's going to have a rough night on Monday. Okay. I, uh, I agree. I'm picking the Vikings. It's just the Bears are bad. The Vikings are really good. Even with the Vikings' problems on offense, their defense is just breathtaking. Uh, and, you know, Chicago still hasn't been able to figure out anything on offense, and Jay Cutler coming back I don't really think is going to change that situation, so i got to go with the Vikings as well. I'm agreeing with you. Last, that one's kind of an easy one. Last, and certainly not least, Shaka, Sunday night football, the Philadelphia Eagles go on the road against the Dallas Cowboys. Four and two Eagles, five and one Cowboys, divisional matchup, Sunday night football, Shaka. Who you got? Well, I'm definitely going to be watching this game just because this is uh, this De- is my game of the week right this, now. This is Shaka's I mean, game of the week. Shaka's game of the week, baby. This should be everybody's fucking game of the week, really, just because uh, I know there's a lot of Cowboys fans out there that like to talk a lot of shit, but you know what? They, they've got legitimate... Uh, they got a legitimate reason clout. right now. they got legitimate clout to back us up. The rookies are playing well. Dak Prescott should be the starter even when Tony Roman comes back. I said it. Because, I'm going to uh, echo you, man. I totally agree with that. Tony Romo, he's got to earn that job back. Dak Prescott, if he was, if Dak Prescott was two and three or one and four, this would be a different discussion, man. But he's five and one. You can't mess with five completely. and one. I don't think defenses really know how to prepare for him. But if any team is going to be able to kind of match him up so far that we've come across, it's the Philadelphia Eagles defense, and if they can keep Prescott in the pocket and kind of force him into making some tough throws. I, I, actually, is Des Bryant coming back, too? I think Des Bryant's going to be healthy He's, for this game, too. He should be. Here, I'm going to look it up right now. He status. He might be Trojan Horse kind of status. But, um, man, you know what? It's really the, the big question that comes down to is, will the Dallas Cowboys be able to run the football against the Philadelphia mm-hmm. Eagles? Because yeah, they, just, they are saying that Des Bryant should be coming back. Huh. That's going to be very interesting. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning Dallas Cowboys, but this one again, I, I have to watch this game because this one, I honestly, I don't have a fucking clue how it's going to turn out. But 
I, I got to lean Cowboys just because they have a little bit more of a firepower edge. I uh, I hear you, man. It's okay. This is going to be probably one of the best games of the week. I'm really excited for it. I'm very excited to watch it and talk trash to all my Cowboys friends because I live down here in Texas. I've got plenty of Cowboy friends down here. Uh, but I am going to go with my Philadelphia Eagles. That's right. I'm going to be the homer. I'm going to pick my uh, my team after picking the against them last week and seeing them completely upset the Vikings. I'm ready for them to upset the Cowboys. Uh, ready to shock the world. Ready to shock the world. This Number one, I can tell you I'm scared about the run game. After seeing Matt Jones and the Redskins run all over the Eagles two weeks ago, I am afraid that this brilliant offensive line for the Cowboys and Ezekiel Elliott's going to run for 150 yards on my Eagles. That's a very legitimate fear that I have. However... I think the defense for the Eagles has been spectacular. I think that they are going to cause trouble for Dak Prescott. I think they're going to interrupt timing, and they're going to get more stops than people are going to give them credit for. And I don't have an awful lot of respect for the Cowboys' D. I think it's good. I don't think it's great. And I think you're going to see the Eagles' offense pick back up. The first three, four weeks... Eagles offense was pretty good. They've disappeared the last two weeks against the Vikings and the Redskins because, and I said this before, really game flow. The offense was kept off the field because the defense and the special teams was scoring touchdowns. I think we're going to see the offense pick back up. We're going to see Carson Wentz make a couple of nice third down conversions. I think Ryan Matthews will be able to run the ball a little bit more. You're going to see more offensive, uh, you know, uh, plays made by the Eagles this, uh, this week and, you know, I, I want to tilt it to the Eagles. I think it's going to be a close game. I'm excited to watch it, and i got to go with my, my, my favorite team, the Eagles. So I'm going to be the contrarian pick, and I understand if I'm not the favorite with this. Okay. It, it's good to disagree. Uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to this, though. It's going to be fun. Definitely. Definitely. All right, Shaka, that's the, the run of games. That's it for our show today. The last thing I will say before I sign off is a couple of things to mention since we were talking and recording this show. We're recording this Tuesday evening. Number one, while we were talking, the NBA basketball season has started back up. The New York Knicks are playing right now against LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now that it is currently five minutes left in the third quarter, and the Cavaliers are winning by 15 points. Looks about right. That sounds about right, yeah. Uh, So welcome back for basketball. Excited to have the NBA back. Also, can't really go through a sports show without mentioning the fact that the Chicago Cubs and the Cleveland Indians started the World Series tonight. It's crazy. You know, uh, I don't really know anything about baseball, but uh, who do you think is going to win this World Series? I, um, I'm personally, just because of the, the mystique, the history, I'm, I'm rooting for the Cubs, man. I am rooting for the Cubs, too. I mean, I listen, the Indians haven't won in a long time either. I'd, I'd like to root for them, but... The Cubs have got a little bit more of a woeful history doing this, so I want to give uh, want to give a little love to the Cubs. I'm I'm rooting for them. I hope they pull this one out. God bless them. It's been so long. They're currently losing. I do see this. They are in the middle of the third inning, and the Indians are winning two nothing. Well, that's <laughs> oh Cubs. And eh, what else is new? Hopeful. Listen, you know what? They went down against the Dodgers two games to one. They came back and won that. You know, Theo Epstein, he can work some magic with the Red Sox. Maybe he can do it with the Cubs. It's true. It's still early. This Dude. is the, yeah, this, this, the, you know what? Either team wins. This is still history because they both haven't won anything in a long time. Yeah, that's really, that's really something. As, as a sports fan, I like seeing teams, I like seeing them share the wealth. I don't want to see one team 
listen, no, no offense to the Yankees, but I don't want to see them win five straight championships, man. I want to see it get spread around. I want to see other teams hoist the trophy. It was nice to see the Royals host it for the first time in a while. You know what I mean? That's true. Yeah, well, the Yankees aren't going to be winning anything anytime soon, so you can, you can rest straight on that one. Yeah, they can they can relax, sit back, and rest on their 29 or 30 World Series titles while everyone else tries to figure out how to get just one or two. Oh, boy. They'll be okay. Anyway, that's all we got for today's podcast. Everyone, thanks a lot for listening. Thanks a lot for listening to us break down week seven. As always, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, Sam Sports Podcast. You can like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on uh, Twitter. Follow me on Instagram, Sam Sports Station. Also, uh, Twitter, I'm Smithface Jones. Uh, Shaka, is there anything you want to plug before we sign off today? Um... I don't really have anything to plug right now, but, you know, I just want to thank you guys again for letting us into your speakers, into your, your earbuds, your AirPods, whatever you're listening on. Um, and hopefully we'll be, be checking uh, in next week and you guys check it out too. Definitely, definitely. Shaka, you're the best, man. Shaka, for everyone out there, Shaka's the best in the business. I don't know what you're listening to, but you guys need to check in and start listening to this every single week because whatever those pundits are saying, it ain't as good as what we're saying. Or well, maybe that maybe you disagree, but I'm just I'm just I'm just swinging my dick around right now, just saying that we're the shit. That's all. Uh, I got nothing no, that's else. Right. I'm, I'm down with that. I agree with everything you just said, buddy. We're <laughs> that, the best. That's what I'm talking about. You're the best. You're the best. No, you're the best. <laughs> you're the best. Uh, all right, that's all we got for today, everyone. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll check in next week. Take it easy. Bye bye. Peace and love, guys.